0: And welcome back to another episode of the Tapehead Massacre podcast. I am Caleb. I am Tyler. And I am Bill. Let's do this. Hell yes. So, homies, it's been a couple weeks. We were up in the mountains of Ye Olde, Pennsylvania for the Camp Blood event at the Mahoning Drive-In, and it was fucking baller.
1: Bananas. Let's be real, dude.
0: It was it was such a sick experience. I mean, being able to check out classic fucking films on the big screen in an environment that was dedicated to exactly what it was and it was just it, it was just such a great experience and like I'm still riding that wave right now. Like it still feels ah, uh, it's just it's so cool, man. And and unfortunately, Bill was not able to come with us, but uh,
1: Tyler, you are able to make it up on Saturday, man. And uh Oh, dude. It was, uh, it was awesome. It's, I mean, I don't know, like many people here during the pandemic, if we can kind of get on that subject for a second, where people just like me anyway, I don't know if other people have been like this. They just haven't gotten out of their homes or if they have, it's like 15 minutes away. Right. Because there's nothing to do and not much to see, not really anything. I mean, especially if you're in the, you know, tri-state area, it's been shut down probably harder than most areas. Um, so for me, this was like my first, like, coming out party of sorts in that way and getting out and uh it was awesome i mean sleepaway camp never saw it before up until uh you know i waited specifically for this event and then we met felissa rose of course and literally as we were talking to her the opening scenes and credits were rolling and she was walking me through it so i don't know how many people can say they saw a movie that's pretty infamous i would say in its own genre with the actual star of the movie literally right by your side centimeters away from you yeah, yeah talking was, you that it. was
0: such a cool thing man and like we were in line for probably like let's see probably two hours i did a lot of things yeah while was, we were waiting in we line. probably waited in line for two hours to meet her and once we got up there like we, the whole time we were like contemplating on like you know what to talk about and i brought her my um video treasures release of sleepaway camp and my blu-ray of victor crowley And, you know, I was just going to talk about how I love both of those films and Victor Crowley. I loved her like goofy, you know, New Yorker, you know, roll in. And you were like, well, I've not seen Sleepaway Camp, which is her, you know, fucking, you know, bread and butter. Yeah. And what should I say? And I just told you to straight up be like, hey, I've never seen this fucking movie. And I came here to see it. And what better person to watch it with than the leading star of the film? Right. And it was just unbelievable how the timing worked out because it was literally we got up to the table, we talked to her, and she, and what the reason it took so long for us to get up there, which I think is incredible, and people were complaining in line about, but I thought it was so sick that she took like a solid 20 minutes, if not more, with each person that came up to the table and talked to them and had conversations with them and was super genuine about what she said. It wasn't just like a, hey, what am I signing for you today? All right, cool, let's get this photo op done. All right, next. No, that's not how it was with her. She was just so all about meeting her fans and talking with them. And, you know, she was a fucking trooper, man. When that sun went down, it got cold out. And she, for the most part was, you know, staying in what she was wearing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she eventually put on a coat because it was really fucking cold out there. But even still, like, we got up there, and like I said, it was n- it was nothing but perfect timing. Like, chance was just perfect that we happened to get up there and the fucking opening credits were rolling. And, you know, your first look at the movie, it literally rolls with sleepaway camp as you're overlooking a campsite. or there's a house. But, yeah. you know, and she, you know, literally pulled you aside and like was talking to you in the opening credits
1: about what was happening like was just so fucking cool and she was so transparent about the movie itself too she was like i remember her saying vividly she was saying you know at first glance and at first watch it seems a bit corny but if you dive in two three four times you get the real you get a real sense of what the you know.'" um, delivery was behind the movie and what the intention was which I thought was awesome that she was so transparent about that and in that way I think she also thought I like grew up a like biblical religious child because I told her I was like my mom never let me watch this movie granted I watched all of these other horror movies as a child but it was that literally the the straightener up the veg and yep. the full frontal scene that my mom was like ixnay on the sleepaway and was like <laughs> hey, i'm not gonna do it and i was like all right true fair mom fair so i never saw it and i told her and i think they thought i was like this like very good boy with like my hair parted and my I, little don't so, I, don't so? I don't think so man i don't think
0: i don't think so man i think honestly if i were in her shoes and i was you know i had a line of fans you know as far as i could see waiting to meet me and sign, you know, have me sign their things and, you know, whatever. For somebody to walk up, and I can almost promise you, dude, that you were the only person in line that hadn't seen the movie, and for her to have somebody come up to her that was paying her for her autograph. True. Paying her for her time that has never seen her rise to fame. Her, you know fucking absolute banger that you know put her on the market for her for somebody to come up to her and tell her I've never seen this movie I'm here to see it today tonight on the big screen at a drive-in and you're here this is this is what I'm doing I think that really set in with her I thought that was really cool because she was genuinely blown away and another really cool thing to note too was is that when I handed her my copy of Victor Crowley she definitely like gave me a look. She was like, Wow, alright, cool. Like this is sick. I have like the coolest kill scene, like, in all of cinema right now, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you literally get your arm ripped off by by Victor Crowley and it gets shoved up your vagina and comes out your <laughs> mouth. Like, how of a- how fucking sick of a kill is that? Like that's the pro like that's insanity. And it's like a fucking five second thing, dude. And Kane Hodder is just a goddamn Animal, and that's Assassin, why I love dude. that fucking movie, Assassin. But uh yeah, just such a sick, sick experience. So we were away last weekend doing that, and it was, ah, it was just an incredible dude, time. The,
1: let's talk about the the day after. I think our adventure, even the day after, going into, we were. I woke up at like seven in the morning. I probably dude, fell asleep <laughs> at like two thirty. Weep, nah, dude.
0: You're you're definitely missing there. We probably fell asleep at like three thirty. I'm not an off Jason. Oh, yeah, and like. All credits to Jason, and that was the new chapter, which it's still right and same. And it wasn't Kane Hodder, Jason. So, like, my interest was definitely there. I watched the whole thing, but I definitely nodded out for a second or two. And like, when the movie ended, you were like, "I'm actually," I think you called it like mid movie, and like we both were just chilling. But yeah, so we go to bed at like three thirty in the morning, and you just like. Banged on my window <laughs> at like fucking the ass crack of dawn, bro. It's like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. You're like, bro, I'm up. Let's do shit. And I'm just like, all right, let's fucking go,
1: dude. Yeah, dude. I was really up for the shenanigans. At like fucking. So I woke up at six thirty in the morning, and there's like this. So I never, I don't think I told you at the time, but my fiance Kate, her car, like. So I literally just folded the back seats down, and I was like, I haven't done that type of like sleeping, and I don't know how fucking long. It's been a long time. But she has these divots in the back of her seat, and my hand, like, got caught in there. Like, I don't know, like, middle of me tossing and turning, and it just went full-blown numb. Like, couldn't feel a fucking thing. So I woke up at 6.30 in the morning, trying to, like, get feeling back in my hand. And I just kind of sat there until, like, 7, and I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking two hours from home, in the middle of bumfuck PA, and I'm like, let's just do shit. So Yeah, then-
0: dude, it's perfect. It was literally yeah. perfect. That's, was. And that's funny, too, because, I mean, I slept like shit that whole weekend. I mean, I slept in my car you know bill you tossed up the tent for offer i i uh you know i presented the idea of of tenting it with with tyler but honestly you know with i think tenting it and camping i think you need like a like an air mattress or something along those lines instead of just sleeping on the ground and no discredit to you campers out there that like true camping where you're sleeping on the fucking dirt in a sleeping bag or something you know Sorry if this offends you, you know, but yeah, I just, shout out the I survivalist yeah. Yeah. survivalist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I I was like, I'm going to sleep in my car because I think that's more comfortable at this point. And and Tyler, you were in agreement that we were just going to sleep in the cars and that was just going to be it. Yeah. So we do that. And I fucking my, do my lower back like r- right above the butt cheeks was just fucking screaming all weekend. And I just didn't give a fuck because I was having such a good time. And, like, shout out to the Exhumed boys at Exhumed Films, because y'all are great at marketing, and this is why. Because each day, these motherfuckers put out different movies on that fucking table. And maybe it's just that whole, like, diversion element that they put in, where, like, it's the same movies, but they just put them out in a different order. But I literally went back Friday, Saturday, Sunday, each day, and bought a few fucking tapes or Blu-rays rather each day. So take my money exhumed.
1: Take my money. Is that the, is that also the area that had the cannibal Holocaust shirt? And yes, that also sucked you in big time that dude. So my, my Kate, my fiance fucking loves cannibal Holocaust. She wanted the theme song played at our wedding just so it could get under the nose of like most people, like only people who've ever seen the movie would get that because it's such a beautiful song to a horrid movie. In, in the best ways, in some ways, you know, depending on how you feel. But there was a Cannibal Holocaust shirt, and I was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna buy it. And they were like, Cannibal, and they were like, we only have smalls. And I'm like, that's perfect. She's yeah, tiny. And they were like, yeah. all right, Cannibal small cost it is. And that was the running joke of the entire night. That yeah, I'm it was playing. great.
0: And I'm, yeah. I'm really stoked you got to pick that up. I got to pick up a, uh, a pieces t shirt, you know, classic. Uh, it's exactly what you think it is on the front and on the back. You don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. I just love those, it's like, dope. little fucking classic lines. But uh, yeah, shout out to the Exum Tent because you guys fucking took my money all weekend, every day, and uh, I appreciate that. So yeah. yeah, our adventures the next day were were super fucking tight, and we had a great time
1: checking out Jim Thorpe and uh yeah, shout, shout out, out Muggles Mug Coffee Shop, Muggles Mug. And I'm not I so I again transparent guy. I like to keep saying that that's gonna be my moniker through this all these episodes. Um, I don't. I've never really seen Harry Potter. I've never put in the time. Never put in the time. Um, we gotta change that. So I. So as far as like trilogies and that type of vibe is concerned, I love Lord of the Rings. Big Lord of the Rings fan. I, I think my mom got it. Got me into it like at a young age. Like right around the time, because it was right around the time like Lost came out, and I loved Lost too. Um, but. I don't know what it was. Harry Potter, I never got into, but I fucks with that coffee shop. I'll tell you that much. They got a good cold brew. Mean yeah, cold brew. that was a
0: delicious uh, dirty chai latte that I got. Yeah,
1: And also, I- Jim Thorpe is like a weird travel back in time. Because like, there was the steam train engine and there was like the smoke billowing up into the sky when we like came in. It was a very like... Almost romantic. Yeah, no, I was know. I was like, "Oh,
0: Tyler, here we are." Yeah, I was like,
1: "Oh, Jim, the thought of how lovely. There's an <laughs> ice cream shop." <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was such a good time. And then we got to check out uh, hundred mile view, which was really, really cool. Oh, so awesome. So, uh, yeah, we definitely had a tight time, Bill. I wish that you were. Uh, I wish that you were there for that. I, I really do because I just like I personally had such a good goddamn time and. You know, having Tyler there for Saturday into Sunday morning was just such a like awesome experience, and we did record a little bit of a uh, a small little uh, voiceover segment after we watched Sleepaway Camp, and we got like Tyler's thoughts and and things of that nature after he had saw it for the first time. So we'll definitely be incorporating that into an upcoming episode at some point. But Bill, yeah, we just like we both were just talking like the whole time, like we just wish that like you could have been there to experience this with us. Yeah, I'm definitely totally
2: jealous uh, that I could unfortunately not be there, um, but uh, all things considered, I mean, I'm excited to go um, You know, to Texas Chainsaw,
0: Woo! so that's going to be a-, a ride. Yeah, that's going to be really Hell cool. Hell yeah, baby. November 1st, it's the last Mahoning drive-in event. It's, they're showing Texas Chainsaw 2 and Leatherface, which are probably my favorite of the franchise. I like Texas 2's comedy element and I love Leatherface's like I love the, the Sola's family element like ah oh, god damn it like I just I love that whole fucking ah oh, god damn it like ugh, that movie just ah it, just, it gets me man and Bill Mosley's gonna be there which is just fucking bonkers and I'm so fucking stoked to go to that event it's gonna be so sick yeah, it's gonna be a good time. I'm very excited. So uh, let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, not experiences that we had in the last couple of weeks while we haven't been here. Let's talk about what we have been listening to in the last week so bill you got the mic baby you're 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 hot and ready let's go what have you been listening to this past week my friend as far as music or hell like, yes uh, i mean podcast fuck yeah dude podcast if you've been listening to podcasts let's hear it if you've been listening to some tunes let's hear some tunes uh,
2: i mean podcasts have been uh kind of the bread and butter for all of this uh covid uh pandemic stuff you know um yeah obviously i'm watching like tv shows and movies and things like that and uh you know, we talked last week or uh, last episode, you know, as far as listening to, uh, you know, Warp Tour playlists and getting back into, like, nostalgia and, like, just moments where we felt really good and comfortable and safe and happy. And, um, you know, as far as podcasts, though, uh, Joe Rogan's always been, like, a very uh, frequent podcast for me just because uh, his guest list is so diverse. I mean, it can be a musician, celebrity, um, chef, uh, just it's all over the place, politicians, Um, Elon Musk, I mean, like, big twigs and, like, executive, you know, uh, corporate backgrounds, and um, it's always really neat. I watched one uh, the other day with Post Malone, and I didn't realize he's so young. He's, like, 25, 26 years old. He's younger than me. And, uh, but, you know, perceptions um, are pretty wild. I mean, you know, you get, like, the vibe that he's, like, the silly, goofy guy, and, you know, maybe not the, the most intelligent kind of mo, but Wrote really bomb music and got super famous. And, you know, after listening to that podcast, uh, pretty amazing to, uh, you know, see how intelligent he is, how grounded down to earth he is. Um, You know, so that was really cool. And uh, uh, my girlfriend, Rachel, just watched uh, Miley Cyrus the other day on Rogan. And uh, I haven't seen that yet. But um, even with somebody like Miley Cyrus that you'd think might be a little... um, uh, I can't think of, like, the uh, the best way to describe her, but, like, Party in the USA, and just, like, Hannah Montana, and and uh, you just see her through all these different lenses, and, like, you don't get the real her, and then when she's on Rogan, she talks about that, uh, so I'm excited to watch that, and she talks about just, like, perceptions of celebrities, and we put them through this, uh, this lens that we look at them through, and uh, they're people. At the end of the day, like, all the famous people that we idolize and put on these pedestals, at the end of the day... You take away all those fineries, they're just like you and I, you know, um, and it, it's it's pretty cool to uh, um, get that from like a Rogan perspective of his podcast, um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much that's, that's about it, you know, as far as podcasts, uh, music, just been kind of uh, going back in time, listening to some classic rock, uh, Pink Floyd is always just like the cool chill car ride jams, um, always loved Led Zeppelin, so I'll throw them on if, uh, you know, I want something loud and belty. Um so definitely uh, classic rock has been the uh, the music of the week for Hell me. Oh yeah,
0: that's cool. That's uh, that's super awesome. Uh yeah, it's definitely uh very very cool that you've been listening to some Rogan shit. I definitely delved into his like YouTube channel more than I have actually his his listening podcast. Uh it's not that I just I- his episodes are so long, and I feel like it's definitely a visual thing. Like, I like getting his visual element and uh, and watching it on YouTube versus listening to it in the car. And, like, a lot of the shit that he talks about on the show is very in-depth. Uh, I feel like when I'm at work, what I listen to has to be more generated towards a topic that, like, I can get in and out of. Like, I definitely focus in on the podcasts that I listen to, but I feel like if I you know, I, since I deliver for Amazon, I run out of the van and and deliver a package. I can kind of miss three seconds without, you know, losing my place on where I'm at. You know, sometimes I do pause it if I'm like really invested, but, uh, yeah, I definitely vibe with that. That's totally tight that you were digging some, some Rogan stuff. So, uh, Tyler, what have, uh, what have you been listening to,
1: homie? Yeah. So, Bill, I'm surprised man. I did not know you listened to Joe Rogan. So I fucking love Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's one of those he's like kind of like the five-finger death punch of podcasts in some ways where he's like very broy at times like the the following, the cult following that comes from Joe Rogan at times cuz he's very you listen to him enough, you kind of like, "Oh, that's a that's a full-on bro." There's no doubt about it, Joe Rogan. But he's but like you said, he's got an eclectic amount of guests. The Miley Cyrus episode was great and I think a point you were touching on is she was so grounded. And I think that's the thing that got me like immediately with her. Which, being through the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, the different from fucking Hannah Montana to, like, you know, the bangers from Miley Cyrus, which I saw her live, by the way. Can I just say that? Whoa. Dude, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Secret Time ex-girlfriend. Uh, shout out Bert Kreischer with that Secret Time reference, but, yeah, I got dragged to a Miley Cyrus concert. And I can, can I tell you right now, I mean, next to Ghost, as far as, like, stage presence and literally, like, the theatrics of it, second to none. She came out on a tongue. fucking wild (laughs) that's awesome that's super cool and i I mean i don't i don't i don't really fuck with miley cyrus but i mean she she played like listen old hits man she's talented i gotta give it to her i'm gonna straight up say
0: that bangers album is a banger dude wrecking ball if you hear that that fucking song is a slammer dude and even though that's like ooh, yeah that's a that's a rabbit hole i definitely fuck with that album really (laughs) heavy all right so let's let's switch into watching so Tyler, since you got the mic right now, my friend, yes, sir. What have you been watching?
1: Oh man, what have I been watching? So I just watched the fuck. I never, I had never seen it before. It's not great. I watched the remake of the Blair Witch. I know we talked about that last week on the pod or in the uh, well last episode, but on the podcast, of course, last episode. Um, not good. Remake was not good. I'm just gonna be honest. It was pretty, pretty horrible, man. Pretty horrible. Um, I've been, so on the podcast kick, I've been watching, uh, Tim Dillon, comedian podcast. Okay, he's amazing. Super cynical, somewhat socio-political in his comedy. Um, but he's great. He He's just a, like, we pride ourselves on riffing. That dude's a riff master. Like, it, he just goes on and on. So that's what I've been watching quite a bit of. As far as listening's concerned, not to try to go back and forth here, uh, I've been into like I don't know I I got into this band I mean years ago but they kind of revisited me this band called Seaway straight oh, ahead yeah straight pop ahead punk, pure baby. noise pop punk perp punk you know <laughs> yeah but uh they just put out a song called Big Vibe and it's like straight ahead in your face like oh four oh five pop punk like fucking like top forty pop punk very cool but it's just it's so sugary you know and I think that's the thing that gets me sometimes it's like. And you know, I heard it and I'm like, oh fucking Mayday Parade. Like that's exactly what I think immediately. But I fucking love it, you know? Um been listening to them heavy recently. We talked about it on the last podcast, Dirty Nil. I, I always play them. Oh yeah. You know, a hundred percent. Dude, that um, track
0: Doom Boy I've been jamming a dude, hell of a lot, dude. We we
1: talked about it, Caleb Jank. I've we've been I've been on Jank on that level for a minute. Um uh another another band I've kind of revisited as well as a band called Free Throw. It's very like Midwest emo kind of vibes to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, that's that's kind of been the vibe. Not to... Okay, you know, that's very cool, man. All right, so some Seaway
0: and some, some interesting comedic podcast listening. Yeah. All
1: right, I but, fuck with it. But here's the thing with me listening and watching. I, I get on kicks for like... Like weeks into months, like I will, I play something. I will play the shit out of something until I cannot play it anymore. Like it's also like my eating habits. Like I will eat something until I fucking hate it, and that's kind of how I take when it comes to watching and listening to things. So taking it back a couple episodes, Idols is still on that playlist. Deftones is still on that playlist. Deftones is kind of like a never-ending pool, though. At times with that, so um, yeah, that's been hell yeah, very cool. So
0: for me. I've been listening to a lot of different shit, and you mentioned Jank, and Jank has been on a fucking, like, insane repeat because that Versace Summer album that they put out is just so fucking good, and it's it's insane, and the track Versace Summer is unbelievably addictive, and I wish that, like, my phone would tell me how many times that I played that so that way I could just like engrave into my head like, all right, you've 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 killed this. Stop. But it my phone doesn't, so that's why I continue to listen. But that's been like a super big go to. Um aside from that, uh I've been <laughs> So I showed you guys this fucking song before we started. But I found I so I was watching I was scrolling through Instagram and I found this meme and it was super funny and the song playing I was like, "Wow, this is really addictive. I need to find out what this track is." So of course, I lurked in the comments, found out, you know, from somebody posting in there what the track was, and it was "Pat Le Maya Devam," and I guess it's a Hebrew rapper, and he collabed with Archie's beat. uh, "Pat Le Maya Devam," that's right. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's been stuck in my head. So anybody out there that uh, is listening just don't listen to this because it just doesn't leave your brain. And it's one of those things that is just not good. And you know, it's not good. You realize that this is not good listening, but you're sucked in so hard. You can't stop moving on past dumb bullshit that I've been listening to today. I realized that a band uh, that I listened to called bloodbather fucking sick. Like, like, Mid two thousands sounding band, like very old school metalcore, like noise Norma Jean esque type band. Just it, it, they're getting ready to release an EP, and they have two uh two songs that came out within the last couple of weeks. And Silence came on my shuffle today, and goddamn, is that an ass beater? It's just so fucking sick. And another thing that surprised me as of recent that I've been listening to, I started listening to yesterday and into today is the new Marilyn Manson album and i haven't followed manson in i i did it's 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 been years but like i mean we're talking like beautiful people era manson it's just i haven't followed since then and my friend had told me about this manson album and I was like, all right, I'm gonna give it a peep, and there's actually some really, really fucking solid songs on there. So I, I really, really like this album so far. I'm, I'm continuing to listen to it, but it's, it's definitely really, really good. And in terms of, uh, in terms of watching, I, I definitely checked out a few different things this week. Uh, I actually had some solid time to like watch some movies and and TV shows and things. Whereas last week's episode. It was kind of just, like, I think one movie or two movies that I saw throughout the week because I was just so fucking busy. I saw The Shed. It's a Shutter original. It's fucking slamming. I hate vampire movies, and I don't know why. Vampire movies are not my thing. It's just, I think that I've just seen... Twilight too many times? <laughs> I've <laughs> never seen... Teen, teen Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never seen Twilight, but uh, full discredit. But... Uh, you're you know, fr- out on the cringe bro <laughs> I guess I am <laughs> but uh, you know Fright Night is a classic fucking vamp movie you know what I mean your Bram Stoker's Dracula another classic vamp movie if you want to like title into more like uh, current movies you know Underworld is definitely like a more modern uh, vampire werewolf you know combination movie but even those like still started to get a little dicey for me but The Shed was fucking awesome. It was just so good. Anybody listening, definitely check that out. It's on Shutter. If you don't have a Shutter account, you're fucking missing out. All right,
1: go, go fuck yourself.
0: Yeah, seriously, that's, because that's like you're yeah. you're super missing out on a ton of good shit on there. There's great documentaries on a ton of shit. There's a great originals on there, and it's all horror. That's all it is. So if you're listening to this podcast, clearly you give some type of fuck about horror. Oh yeah. And if you don't have Shutter, you need to. So that's just that.
1: So, Caleb, quick question, man. So, you're not in the Vamp movies. So, some of my, so, one of my all-time favorite horror movies is actually a vampire movie. Let's I hear it. So, I, th- I think we may have talked about this, or at least skirted around it, The Lost Boys. I love The Lost Boys. All right. Ready? Here we go
0: out there. All y'all listeners, I have never seen The Lost Boys. Blasphemous. It's definitely blasphemy, and I feel like I should be nailed
1: to the stake for it. Dude, so so many good one-liners, definitely like a major motion horror movie. I
0: know that we have a lot of movies currently on the watch list, and we do. a few of which I'm strictly holding out on watching as a three-piece, so that way I can watch them with you. Yeah. Well, here we go. We're adding another one, Lost Boys.
1: Lost Boys. Also, Hot Take. Most I, I've heard a lot of people don't like this movie but I love how they did their vampires in the movie is 30 days of night with Josh Hartnett. I fucking love that.
0: Let me back off for a second. Let me, let me, let me, let me backtrack my statement there and yeah. say that I said underworld and I probably should have said 30 days of night. Cause God damn it. That was a fucking beautiful movie. Dude,
1: the vampires in that movie, the, like the, the, the like the linguistics of it, even though it's like, it's almost like clockwork orange and it's like a made up. Listen, that movie
0: the reason I like it so much is solely based on the fact on how fucking aggressive and un-fucking, like, just it, unlike most vampire movies, those vampires are. They're fucking brutal. It, it was almost like a take of vampire meets zombie as
2: far as, like, that frenzy, like, that taste of blood, and they're, they're there to just drain the whole town. They, they come in on the ship... And that's their mission. They just go from town to town. You know, it's 30 days a night, so they can just really take advantage and just, like, you know, feast for, I guess, however long it takes, you know, for them to find another place. The crazy fucking thing about
0: that is that that's fucking real. 30 days of night happens in Alaska. Alaska. Yep. Yeah. And a friend of ours, a friend of all three of ours, his grandpa actually was there for that. Entirety of Thirty Days of Night, and he said it was absolutely fucking horrible. Which you have I would to get it so
2: manic-depressed. Yeah, I mean, because you need like the sun to like get energy and like you know the vitamin, vitamin D, C, baby or D, whatever it vitamin is. D. I believe. Thank you. All right, there I'm, you go. I'm sorry. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. So uh, <laughs> sorry out there. <laughs> uh, while we're on the topic of uh, things we've watched though um, in the last week, uh, so I've been binge watching the Hannibal TV show. I highly recommend that because I love Hannibal Lecter. Uh, I mean, it's it's just incredible. It's just one of those like you know movies you just have to see, just like Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal. Um, Hannibal Rising was even good, you know, d- despite its you know misgivings. Some people like didn't like it very much. I loved it. It added some texture to his childhood. Um, but shout out to uh, Mads Mikkelsen because um, he's an incredible lector. Um I loved him from like James Bond and the okay. like, Casino Royale, and just like he just has like this stern, smooth presence and okay it's just when cool. he when he has dialogue in a scene you're so captivated by that guy he's insane and he did such a great job with hannibal and uh i was really like kind of like apprehensive to like watch the show because you know anthony hopkins is hannibal to me you know and to to many people so but uh to watch him uh really own it on uh, on this tv show is insane and uh see
0: this this whole segment that we have here where we talk about what we listen to and, and watch and shit like that it's it's I talked about it on the last episode, We're getting into like binge anxiety, where like we have already talked about several things that I haven't watched, and quite a few in the last two episodes, and I have like a like a like literally like a backlog of movies and TV shows that I want to check out. So here we are, adding another one. So yeah, and, uh, and I love yeah. that. I love that. It's not even a binge anxiety thing, really. It's more or less just I'm super excited that. Y'all are bringing things to the table for me to check out, and I do, you
2: know, for sure. And like, um, you know, following along with the the idea of like Hannibal and everything, and like um his mindset, it it's really cool because you can't really fit a lot of that stuff into a movie. And we talked about that last episode, as far as why I'm a little more into TV shows lately as opposed to movies, just because you have those episodes to add that foundation to really like understand the psyche of the characters and. Um, I loved Red Dragon. Um, so Edward Norton was a great Will Graham. Um, but you know even uh, Hugh Dancy. Um, his Will Graham is really cool. And what's neat is you don't see it in Red Dragon, but um, when Will Graham walks into a crime scene, he has that same kind of psychopath mindset of like a killer. Okay. So that's why he's so good to the FBI to like solve these crimes because he thinks like a killer and has like these like things going on in his mind, and, like, in the show, it's really neat. Like, when he walks into a crime scene, um, he almost, like, goes into a trance, and it shows, like, this, like, amber-colored... Um, it almost looks like if you had, like, a strand of hair in your face, and you see, like, the strand kind of, like, dangling. Okay. And it's, like, going back and forth, almost like a pendulum. And he just gets into the zone, and he just walks into this crime scene, and he, like, lives the fantasy of the killer. So he really understands, you know... They're trying to like speak and like portray their thoughts of like their psyche, and he he breaks it down. It's so crazy to watch and like seeing Hannibal toy with Will Graham, you know, being Hannibal and hiding the you know crimes he's committing, you know, because he's the Chesapeake Ripper, and like it ties into like you know they're all trying to catch the Chesapeake Ripper, and secretly he is the Ripper the whole time, and he's just playing like the cool guy, like you know. I'll help you catch them, and it's like it's crazy, and like um, uh, it, you, you just gotta watch it. I don't want to like spoil anything okay. by any means, but like even like the dinner scenes. So like Hannibal is always big on like feeding people that he admires humans. So like when he has dinner scenes and stuff, he's feeding people to like people that he admires, and like he embraces excellence because he's like you know he had a medical degree, he was a doctor, uh, he's a psychiatrist. Um, he's a very established, intelligent person. So, like, it's it's just interesting to like see, um, you know, like an intelligent, methodical killer, and 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 that's why I enjoy Hannibal Lecter so much. And he's definitely, probably my favorite of of the killers that are out there. Because you watch things like Michael Myers, and like you know, he's terrifying because he's quiet. Jason Voorhees, he's quiet, but like you know, and he's brutal. But like somebody that's meticulous,
0: but also has that brutality. It's just it's insane. It's, like, almost unmatched. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I mean, I definitely want to check that out. By the way that you're describing it makes it seem very interesting, and I definitely want to check it out, you know?
1: So, so I feel like I already know Bill as a horror fan, and I'm kind of very similar, where there, you, you want a storyline. You want things broken down in detail, and you almost want to follow that character development, right? Like, that's, like, a big thing. I can already tell, like, a through line for you. So uh, uh, a movie I'll recommend, I think, that does it well to a degree it's new it just came out it's called relic okay uh with i can't remember her name i just know she's in the movie uh our idiot brother with paul Rudd. <laughs> but okay uh it's an australian film um and they just they released it i think last year but it's a very similar it's like a simmering movie where there's just there's the plot line and it keeps kind of driving 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 almost like hereditary does in a way okay i don't think it delivers as well but just hearing you kind of talk through Hannibal and how you like that character development and breakdown and kind of getting into the mind of the person itself or the character that they're playing. I can already tell like where I I have like so many recommendations for you already off the top of my head.
0: Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Is that on Shudder? I th- think it is. I think I can't remember. I so I literally watched it on a fucking iPad so kate's ipad we like we're like let's go to bed and watch a horror movie and she, she was like wow well, i don't really know if i want to and i was like fuck it i'm gonna figure it out for whatever reason like you so if anyone's trying to like watch a movie on an ipad and you try to use like 2b or shutter fuck just give up because it won't let you buy things on there you have to like go to the tv buy it and then get it to the ipad which was part of my problem it's um, on shutter just checked thank you yes so and hulu thank you so yes hulu and shutter there you go, Boom. Bill. <laughs> there
0: you go. You got plenty of stuff to uh, check it out on. Yeah, I've got some homework this week. Hell yes. Cool. So relic. I uh I fuck with that. All right. Cool. So um, yeah. So last week's episode we talked about Ghoulies, which if you guys have checked that out, awesome. If you haven't, go check that out. It was a, uh, a chaotic episode. You might have felt like we were disorganized, but don't worry. It wasn't us. It was the movie. And uh, you got our thoughts on it, you got our review, you got our taste of what we thought of the movie, and I feel like Bill's uh, input was probably the most directive, because like my input on it was, uh, I don't know, I just, I I, I tried, I really tried. It's so hard, because like,
2: we all love horror movies, and like you want to try to like make the best of what you've got, you know, and and, like I never want to like totally shit on something you know because obviously they spent five point what was five point five million dollars and like you know for what it was good for you you know what i mean like you you did what you tried to do and it sounded like you had some misgivings and there was issues with the ghoulies and um you know that's tough but like i go into everything like i try to be as positive as i can you know i want to enjoy it for what it is for face value um but like tyler said like i'm definitely very much into like story and character development and i want to like actually give a shit about the characters so um not that i don't enjoy movies where there's like slashers we don't give a shit about anybody they're all like partying they're all gonna die and they're like they're red shirts it's like an action movie they're just red shirts they're there to die um but um the psychological stuff i feel like that's the stuff that lingers you know other than just like those big kills you, know, like you were saying like a curling iron like up someone's vagina and like you know i forget what movie that was you said uh sleepaway, sleepaway camp, camp. I haven't seen that either, so I have to watch that. I yes. haven't seen that yet. so, uh, but like those crazy gory like bloodbath deaths, you know, cannibal Holocaust, like you know ripping people apart and shit, you know, yeah, that stuff sticks with you, but like the psychological stuff, I feel like you know, that's why I like the Exorcist and a lot of those things where like you can almost connect with it and it lingers a little bit more and uh, it's more human,
0: you know, and see and, that's why I think we have such a good uh, you know uh, hosting section here because me, I have such a broad taste in movies uh, in the horror genre and the subgenres of, of horror. And I can get into anything from straight gore porn, where like the characters don't mean shit. You're there for solely the special effects to, to anything to like a psychological thriller. Like, I'm an open book with this. And. Bill, clearly, it's seeming like you're definitely into the more psychological element of it. And and Tyler, from like just these like two episodes that we've talked on, it seems like you're more into...
1: I, I don't know. I feel like you have an open book for things, too. I, I feel like that's how it goes with you as well. I mean, it, it kind of fits my personality in, in ways. I'm kind of on the fence. It just depends. You know, there's some movies that... Don't really have that seething, simmering plotline where it's more based on character development, and then the back half of the movie, or that last ten percent of the movie, is really where the, you know, the scares or the slash where it comes in. Yeah. But on the other hand, there are movies where there's very little character development that I fucking love. You know, um, it, it just it just depends on I think my mood at the time too, because it's always it's ever changing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm trying to think of a movie that's like, well, The Evil Dead. I think that's a great example of a movie I fucking love and where there's not a ton of character development, truly, in that movie. I think there's the initial pieces, but I mean, it really gets right down to the nitty gritty pretty quick. Yeah. And as soon as she starts yelling out, like when they're pulling the cards and she starts nailing them by walking yeah. out the window, it's just kind of like game over at that yeah, point. It's not about sure. the character anymore, it's about. You know how crazy are these kills going to be? So I think it's, it's I think it's I think
0: it's sick that we're so re- well rounded in the in the element of this of and I think that's what's going to make this podcast very interesting because everyone has a very broad spectrum and we just we have a lot that we can discuss and talk about. And Bill, you're very much into the analytics of things, which is what's great about having you on here.
2: I appreciate that. At the same time, though, I can get into like you know, like you said, the like Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, things like that. And uh, I actually really enjoyed Cabin in the Woods oh dude i fucking love that movie. and like how like uh you know self-aware it was you know and uh like you know just like the whole like they're they're behind the scenes and it's like they're like taking like bets like like a fantasy football draft or like you know a pool and they're betting and it's like oh man like the the fucking like the serpent monster like whatever it was the uh it was like a swamp monster that winds up like fucking up the guy later. Like it was just so funny. And, like Sigourney Weaver shows up. It's like really like what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And, um, just like ridiculous and funny and silly. So, um, yeah, and it's got fucking Richard Jenkins in it from fucking Step
0: Brothers. Right, right. You know, he's like it's one of the fucking funny. guys. Yeah, it's, it's just, just, really just funny
2: and like uh, I could definitely get down with stuff. I, I never want to ever judge anything. I'll watch anything once, and uh, you know, it's 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 cool because like this this uh, podcast and like the episodes we talk about every week and. We're exposing ourselves to movies that we haven't seen before, um, or even once we start getting into movies we have seen before, it's really cool because we all have similar taste to a degree, but then like differences and preferences, and it, it's going to be really fun to really get everybody's feel, you know, on things and uh, open up our perspectives to certain things because you wouldn't look at these films from somebody's lens. So I think that's the coolest thing to take away from this is just the you know there's three people sitting in this room we're going to bring in guests and have friends you know sit with us and peers and 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 just to get that communal vibe and and that's what i love so much about this genre is just uh there's so many people from different backgrounds that all just like love it and and you get what you you need or you want from it you know and it it's cool it resonates
0: differently with every person and it has a it has an entirely like Different community than any other film genre. I feel like it is the only film genre that has a community. I mean, I feel like you can say that the action genre has its own community, but like you're not seeing like action cons, you're seeing horror cons. Like it's the only thing that has its own niche that provides a specific convention or event or some type of specific gathering such as Camp Blood that we just went to. Right, Like, you're not gonna see... I mean, sure, the Mahoning Drive-In puts on events that are like action-packed weekends and shit like that, but you know, something like Camp Blood has two days sold out within 48
1: hours of it being posted and it's just unbelievable, you know? Yeah, and I think too, the horror genre is they're almost they can almost work in unison at times, too, and I think we saw it at Camp Blood, even, but, like, like look at the alternative, like, punk scene, like, the hardcore scenes, like, look how, like, in music, right? Like, how, like, hard they're backed. That's how I look at the horror genre in a lot of ways. Big fucking facts, dude. You know what I mean? I, th- I think just because so many people, especially in the public eye, right, when you look at, like, something like the Golden Globes or the Oscars, how many fucking horror movies are getting th- zilch, you know what I mean? They're looked at as the redheaded the, stepchild the redheaded stepchild of, of the film genre and i think that's why people back it so hard because there's so much good in it yeah you know and i think, I think i'm people with that sleep on, i mean look like a hereditary that easily could have won a war i, I mean it, granted it could have i'm not i'm i don't have anything in front of me right now but at the same time you don't you don't hear it at the level you hear of the revenant right? yeah you know what i mean like yeah yeah and, and i think too it, it It definitely delivers to a certain type of personality or a certain piece of someone's personality that not everyone has. I mean, how many people do you talk to who are just like, I can't do horror, I can't watch it? A ton. And for two reasons, I think. The big reasons, one, are people are easily scared, some individuals. The other thing I think, too, is they write it off in terms of like a storyline and building things up, which I think is so untrue. But I think people have had bad experiences with bad horror movies and they're just like, they just kind of broad stroke. Never mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep. And I feel that. I mean, it's it sucks, too, because, like, you know, uh, my girlfriend, Nikki, is definitely not into the horror genre. And, like, to each their own, for sure. You know, but, like, we watched Sleepaway the Camp the other night. Like, it was her first watch of it. And she actually really enjoyed it. And I was stoked on that. And that's just, like, a, a good case in point of, like, people's different tastes and how some movies would resonate with them than others so you know it was cool watching sleepaway camp and seeing her like actually enjoy it and then we watched victor crowley and that also like that scared her she thought that like you know victor crowley as you know the 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 monster he was like super gross to her you know what i mean but i think that that element of like being genuinely scared of the movie is something that i'm almost envious of because i'm like It would be really rad to actually have like these movies genuinely scare me and terrify me whereas like i feel like older generations might have had happen you know with such movies of like you know texas chainsaw massacre and the exorcist
2: well i think too like for horror movies it comes from a place of like truth because you think about it like humanity is a very barbaric like we're awful You know what I mean? Like, we we have war, we kill people, there's murderers, like, that stuff's real. So, like, you watch, like, a movie on, like, the Zodiac Killer. That was a person. He literally murdered people, and, like, people are scared of that, and people like to feel, like, comfortable and safe, and, you know, you do your day-to-day, you go to work, you know, and you have your day-to-day life, and you have these positive experiences, and, like, horror, like, just taps into, like, that just, like, it just spikes a nerve with people. Yeah. I should say, it strikes a nerve, you know, because... It's coming from a place of like reality, whereas like you know Avengers movies and Star Wars and things like that and action franchises, Harry Potter, you know that's fake. So like you know when someone dies in like a Harry Potter movie or a Star Wars movie, you know, yeah, like they died, but they're fictitious. You know where like you see a horror movie, it's like oh shit, like there's people out there that stab people. You know there's people out there you go you know go to go to a prison, you know see people all locked up for like violent crime, like it's it's real. So. When you watch horror movies, um especially like those ones, like The Strangers, you know where like, why are you doing this? Uh, because you were home, you know. Yeah. Be- fucking because, man. Like you were just like, you know, Charles Manson. You know, I mean, why'd you do all that stuff? Because I fucking could. You know, Jim Jones. Like, there's there's scary people out there that do awful things. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just it's terrifying, and I I feel like um I can definitely see why there's a broad spectrum of people that are like, listen. Yeah, you know, the world's scary enough as it is. I, I don't, don't need, need to watch this stuff to like create that tension. And like, um, you know, you get like that unnerving like gut reaction when you see horror movies. And like, some people enjoy that, like a roller coaster ride. I noticed a lot of people that don't enjoy horror movies also don't enjoy going on like a crazy roller coaster. It flips upside down, takes you backwards, and it's like you know, you're not in control, you know, it's just like a lot of people like to feel that safety, so I think, like, scary movies just kind of take you out of your comfort zone, and if you're not willing to, you know, give it a whirl and just try to, you know, experience it, you know, for what it is, it's it's
0: it's tough. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's a really good segue, because what that's going to bring us into is it's going to be our topic of this episode, and that is the 1984 fucking slasher fucking in ah, love this movie so much The Fucking Mutilator from 1984 and this is back to back episodes now that we're doing a 1984 movie which is not planned was just the way of the wheel and here we are we're talking The Fucking Mutilator so let's dig into this trailer and let's get you guys started what do you say Four days of R&R at the beach. I'm in. She's in. I'm in. Sounds good to me.
1: I got a bad feeling about this. They thought their
0: vacation would be fun. They were wrong. Dead wrong. He's what's called a trophy hunter. Bum, 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 bum. Dad used to tell me that he'd hunted everything but man. Hey. to get you murder the mutilator all right so if that trailer doesn't get you fucking hype i don't know what will and listeners you're clearly not seeing it you're hearing it and that trailer just the fucking bum 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 alone just i love a good score we talked about it last episode hate a score that that i hate a movie that relies on the score this movie does not by any means that score adds the right amount of tension and here we go. We're going to dig into this fucking... Whew, we're going to dig into this banger. The Mutilator, 1984. Written and directed by Buddy Cooper and co-directed by John Douglas. We got a few familiar faces in this one. We got Matt Mittler, all right, who was also in Basket Case 2, Two. played Artie. Yep. Uh, we have Ruth Martinez, Bill Hitchcock, Connie Rogers, Francis Raines, Maury Lampley, <coughs> Jack Chatham... Ben Moore and Trace Cooper. And that's about all we got for main characters. Uh, Main-ish. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh... The opening sequence of this movie is just such a good representation of, like, a backstory slash great intro to get you sucked into what you're about to
1: watch. And, and like I, you know, like what do you guys like? And you know, I, I thought it was because I, I think it was it was short, sweet to the point in about maybe five minutes of an intro that you went, okay, I kind of already know the path in which this movie's gonna take, right? When you know the son, which is also Buddy Cooper's son, actually Trace Cooper, is oh shit, Buddy Cooper's son who plays the well Ed Junior, young Ed Junior in the opening scene. Uh, when he's cleaning the guns and he's like, you know, the, the the little, I have a note, book right here, page, you know, posted up daddy. I forget what the actual sign itself says. Happy said. birthday, daddy, cleaned by me. Cleaned by me, right. And then he starts cleaning the guns. I thought, and it was, I think it was really played well when he points the gun at himself. You're like, oh, fuck, is he going to shoot himself? And then, you know, he turns the gun back around. And also at that point, too, if you like, I think like a decade later, I don't know if I remember this as a kid, weirdly, but I always remember like the... You know, having open cases or areas of guns around your children thing—I feel like that. I don't see it as much anymore, but I, I can remember reading articles about like those terrible incidents where like a kid shot their friend or a kid shot someone else or themselves with a gun, and that's what it remote like immediately brought me back to. Yeah, but that that whole opening scene where it goes right through the door into his mother's chest. and
0: Yeah, and she's, like, baking a cake because it's the dad's birthday. Right. You know, she's baking this cake, and, you know, he's, like, you know, he's fucking cleaning these guns. He puts them all back in the rack. He's cleaning the last one, and for some reason, he aims down sight, and it, I guess accidentally fires the, you know, the, it pulls the trigger, and it just fucking blows this gigantic fucking hole through the door, into the mom, and it's just, like, this fucking brutal fucking explosion like right through her back like out of her chest there's just such a fucking sick like like cut oh so good
2: yeah no I agree it was it was insane and like looking down the barrel of a gun and like you know you think about it and like you know a lot of people would say like oh my god like a kid being near a firearm but you know and as we dive into this we'll explain like the hunter mentality you know of Ed Senior so it it very much seems like Ed Senior was kind of training Ed Junior how to like fish and hunt and, uh, you know, he was familiar with firearms already. And it was almost like, a, hey, Dad, I'm going to surprise you. And a common mistake that's made, not just from kids, but even like adults that just aren't very familiar with firearms. If you remove the, uh, the magazine or, um, you know, you empty, you know, the magazine from a rifle or a handgun, you know, there's one in the chamber. You know, so, you know, even if you think, oh, I'm doing the right thing, I'm taking the, you know, the magazine out of my rifle or my handgun, there's always one in that chamber, you know, so it's just tragic, you know, when accidents like that happen in real life, but even in this movie, you know, it's it's just so sad, you know, that he's like kind of like looking at it and, you know, it was totally harmless. He just wanted to, in his mind he was going to press that trigger and you were just going to hear a click, you know, there's there's no round in the chamber, you know, so that was insane and, um, you know, just, just, it was crazy. We kind of talked about this, you know, as we took a little break in between here, um, you know, of the reaction of the father coming home on his birthday and they set this, 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 you know, we're going to have a little birthday party. I'm baking the cake for you, you know, handwritten cute note from the son. It was supposed to be this happy moment to celebrate life. And, um, you know, he comes home and it's just like the love of his life is just dead on the floor. And, you know, he knows his son did it. And like, how do you what's the appropriate reaction to that so like me kind of you know thinking from like an empathetic reaction you know if something like that happened to my mom or my girlfriend or my best friend i'm gonna be a fucking mess you know i'm gonna be sobbing and crying and you know i'm just gonna be a fucking mess where like you know just that pure shutdown of not just a psychotic full psychotic break of just like numb and you know uh, just getting, like, pissed drunk, you know, while the cops come and um, even not even knowing what to do. So, like, just picking her up and, like, bringing her over to the couch, you know, and dragging her body, which, like, is obviously, like, a crime scene no-no. And, like, yeah. you never, like, move the body, you know, but just not rationally being able to think. It's like, fuck, man. Like, I'm just gonna open up the bottle and crack open some shots and, you know, just just get fucked up and just kind of dull the pain until the police come. So, I just, I thought the whole intro to that was just beautiful and it was just it was it was crazy and it you was know, such a punching. great
0: yeah it was such a great opening and you know you have the 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 fucking crazy part where like you know he you could tell that he knew that the the son did it like immediately because he he pushes him back into the room with the gun like he grabs the gun and like fucking kicks the the kid with the the gun like back into the room and uh he gives him like this big fucking slap across the face you know like you said he drags the body into the room you know pours a shot and then, like, the score was really cool here because the score has, like, this, like, very ominous, you know, strings and piano little, um, you know, rendition here. But then you also get, like, the happy birthday song, like, that happens in, in between there, which I thought was really tasteful, you know. And, like, that's just, like, such a cool opening.
1: I, I thought so, too. And and I think two things that I got from that intro. One thing I noticed immediately, but it it, it was kind of, it was thrown in there. But I don't know if it was really mentioned after the fact. Is when he's dragging the body away, the father when he comes home with the mother and drags her into the in his room where the guns are. Is there a crow attached to the gun? Because there's this black object that's almost wrapped around it, and I know a crow symbolizes death. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's like the, one of the first things I like I I saw when he was dragging her away, and there's that streak of blood that leads into the room. There's the rifle, and then there's something around it, and it almost looks like a bird.
0: Interesting. Yeah. That's a cool point. I did not catch that. And, Neither uh, did I. that's, that's a really cool thing to point out.
2: Now, something that's cool with that, like if it was a full blown crow or maybe like a crow feather, that kind of ties into, you know, as we progress into the story, you know, of this movie and diving into the fact that, you know, Ed Sr. is a hunter. Um, there, there's a lot of, um, Pointing out that he collects trophies, and that's like a very big thing, you know, with hunters and fishermen. You know, pictures with your catch, um, you know, deer heads mounted on the wall. So, you know, that'd be pretty cool, you know. So that would be neat if there was a crow feather, like a crow, you know, in the background, tying in like death and um, almost like a memento of, um, you know, a a potential kill. And just 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 the themes, the hunter themes, is just definitely something that is very much. Put into this movie, like these subtle little uh, nuggets to just show, like the hunter, you know, hunting his prey, and I-, I thought they did a great job with some of the metaphors with that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and you have, uh, you know, going into the uh, the next scene, uh, which is, you know, it cuts, you know, I think it's. <sighs> I don't I don't think they do like a X years later, right? do they? They don't subtitle it.
1: before we jump into that, though, and, and and part of what I was thinking from what you were saying, Bill, is is like the foreshadowing that happens in that opening scene is also the the relationship from when the dad comes home with the son, with Ed Ed Big Ed and, and, and Ed Jr.. And then it almost looks like Big Ed is going to kill. Ed you Jr. think so? You think it because he he picks up the gun, but there's but the other thing is, I think it's interesting is there's no dialogue. Wouldn't you think in that type of situation that there would be some sort of explanation from the son or a question from the father, like what happened, what did you do? None of that occurs. To me, I silent. think
0: what I got out of that was I got that the kid was in absolute fucking disarray and shock Panic. of what just happened. He had no way to car like compartmentalize what just happened. So he immediately just went into shock and the dad comes home and also joins him in that type of shock his immediate reaction is going to be anger which he shows and takes it out on the kid and he clearly realizes that it's a you know a, a, a an accident but regardless you know a gun was in his kid's hand and killed his wife so he's just immediately angry angry and just you know once some type of you know uh closure somehow is what it felt like you know it's just it and you know we can we can we can really fucking talk about this whole beginning <laughs> scene deep. because it's really really good and it there's not much to it that's the whole thing like you said there's no dialogue there's no like there, there literally is no dialogue no one has a single line in this entire opening which i think is also another super well done thing I think that the fact that you have not a single beat of dialogue, and you've already sucked me in as somebody watching this film, and now I want more. I want to. I want to continue watching this film, even though I haven't heard a single fucking person talk. It doesn't matter. I'm sucked in.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it breaks it down to its basics and its core, uh, and I think it does it really well. Really well between the. And the, and not so much the mother, but between the 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 play along, the tag along between the son and the father. I think it plays very well. I mean, it just sets up. It, it just sets up the scene so perfectly that, again, as I mentioned, it just it leads you right into the path of the movie. And I think that brings you back to what you were saying about the next scene as well. Yeah, and
0: then the next scene, you have all of the friends sitting at the bar. You have, you know, Ed Jr. You have Pam, Ralph, Sue, Linda, and Mike all hanging out at this bar they're drinking they're kind of all just sitting around thinking what they should do for summer you know and then uh who was it ralph i think was uh you know he was like ed you got a phone call you know ralph's you know ed goes you know ralph said what he meant for a change you know which i thought was like a funny little line you know now you're just like all right so ralph is the comedic element of this film. You're going to be looking at Ralph as like the jokester now that Ed has kind of set this up. But, you know, now you realize like after this that, you know, uh, Ed Senior has called Ed Junior to close up his house for the winter. So he wants them, you know, he wants Ed, Ed Junior to come down and, and and you know, close up his house. But he calls just on Ed Junior. He's not asking for friends. He's not asking for help. We'll grab what that means towards the end of this episode, but they all kind of just sit around, they're shooting the shit, they're trying to figure out what the fuck they want to do for summer, or fall, whatever it is, kind of, you know? Yep. Um, and uh, they all agree to go to the condo, you know? And you get the, the the line from Pam, you know, four days of R&R at the beach. So what I thought was really nice about that
2: whole scene was you know, Ed's kind of just like, oh man, the old man's kind of bothering me to, to shut down his condo for the season and like, you know, why can't he just do it himself? And there's this estranged relationship because of the death of you know, his mother and, and, and Ed Sr.'s wife. And uh, it, was, it was cool to like, when he walked away for the phone call, all the friends knew Ed Jr.'s backstory and like knew about the accident that took place and they felt really bad for him. And it was really funny. I picked up a Star Wars reference because when Ed Jr. was talking to his friends about going to shut down the condo, he says, "I've got a bad feeling about this," which oh. is such a common theme in Star Wars from everybody. Oh, I've got a bad feeling about this, like yeah, Han in the Jr. Falcon. Yeah, Ed Jr. He's like, "Oh, I got a bad feeling about this," and it was just such a cool subtle nod to the dialogue from Star Wars.
0: You know, years later, like it's like a subtle nod. You know, that's super uh, cool. I so you know. I feel like I've heard that line in a ton of movies and never really correlated it to Star Wars just because, like, so you can have a bad feeling. You know what I mean? But, like, that's crazy because that there was a lot of nods to Star Wars in the 80s for sure. But, uh, yeah, that's that's really cool that you picked up on that. But you have... The fucking coolest, nah, nah, it's definitely not the coolest, but it's one of the coolest things in the whole movie that comes up next here, which is the fucking rad theme song by Tyler, who does this theme song?
1: Good old Peter Yellen.
0: Hey, Peter Yellen and his rendition
1: of Fall, Fall Break. Break. baby. We're gonna have a good time. First of all, I thought it was Billy Joel, straight up. When I thought that, I was like, oh, Billy Joel's, I was like, damn, this is a banging, like... They got some like big timers for this soundtrack, guy named Peter Yellen. Yeah,
0: Peter Yellen, dude, just killing it with this fucking catchy '80s fucking theme song that just gets Could've stuck in your head. Could have been the next Kenny
1: Loggins. Footloose dude. came out same year, '84.
0: Could have been, man. Dude, yeah, that would have been it. And you know, by the way, listeners, we definitely jammed the theme song by Peter Yellen right before we started recording. So Shit just, slaps, man. just letting you know, it does fuck, but. <laughs> You get, after the opening credits, you get this, like, everybody hops in the fucking car, you know, gets in this, like, kind of, you know, hoopty convertible, because it doesn't start up right away, it's got a tough time starting, they get it started up, you get the fall break theme song by Peter Yellen coming through, and they stop at, a uh, like, a little convenience store. And you got fucking Ralph that goes in, because Ralph is just, for some reason, so, I mean, it's the 80s, so I guess I get it, but Ralph is just fucking overly obsessed with beer. It's a very common theme in this movie, that Ralph is constantly on the hunt for beer.
2: And and I love how, um you know, like, the montage, of like, the theme song, it's, like, happy, they're all excited to, like, get down there and, like, enjoy, like, a break together, and, Um, you know, you, you see them kind of break down and overheat there and he's like, Ralph's just like, fuck it. Perfect time to go get some beer and like goes into the store and you know, he's a law student. So he's going in there trying to think he's like some hot shot and he's like, Oh, I'll tell you what, like, you know, the senior citizen discount, that's bullshit, man. Like I'm here right now, bro. Like I'm trying to buy some beer, man. I'll tell you what you give me that same discount. I'll buy two cases, man. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, cool. And then, like, he thinks he got over on him. And as he leaves the store, they're just like, oh, another college kid thinking he's too cool for school and, you know, thinking, you know, we you know he hooked himself up and hooked his friends up and, like, we got him, you know, and yeah. It, yeah. it was just awesome that it was just, like – that comedy was just prevalent like
0: right there in the beginning and i love that that comedy was in the beginning and and there's not much comedy that happens throughout the rest of the film because that was tasteful it gives you a sense of you know appreciation for ralph as like this like jokester you know hot shot guy but it's not giving you that, like, when things are trying to be serious later on in the film. You for know? sure,
2: for sure, absolutely. So, like, the beer scene was really funny, and then, like, the little montage, like... I felt like the song and like the the opening crawl was a little bit too long, and that might be me being like nitpicky. I mean, I thought it was funny, like him like taking a whiz out and like the the brush, and you know they're all like, oh, we're gonna leave you hanging, you know, and it's just like, oh no, like you know, get in, you know, let's keep going. So I thought it was a little long. They they could have definitely like shortened it a little bit just to kind of progress the story. Um, and as we get further along down the the plot points of this movie, um, I think a little bit more of that time could have been allocated to developing a relationship with the father and son uh, okay kind of play that into um you know the the themes of the movie a little bit better yeah um but we'll dive into that when we uh you know
0: get to the condo itself yes sir well here we are now we're arriving and fun fact it is very far from us but we I, i we'll talk about our ratings and how we felt on this but i think as as you the listener. Checking this out, you can definitely already tell that I'm fucking stoked about this movie, and I love this movie. This is a second, thir- th- this is a third watch for me, and uh, I love this movie. And I would love to visit this 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 condo because it's in North Carolina.
1: So exactly. So I think one of the cool things about this movie is the setting. I think that's what's no pun intended sets it apart in some ways compared to other movies with the you know uh, the isolated teenagers. Being stalked by a killer type of situation, whereas it's typically a cabin in the woods, right? You know, whereas this is a it's a beach, and yeah, and as you mentioned, part of my Tyler's fun facts that I Tyler's was, fun facts Tyler's fucking fun facts. It is uh yeah, it takes place in North Carolina on Atlantic Beach in North Carolina, and it's uh actually connected to the mainland of Moorhead City. So funny enough, in the dialogue when they get to the condo and Ed Jr. is walking the rest of you know, the, the friend group, um, into, into the condo itself and kind of showing them around, he mentions based on the, uh, the police force. So one of the questions from Pam, who is our local, um, paranoid schizophrenic of the group, uh, always worried about the safety of herself and others ask about the police force. And he says, well, there's like a beach patrol that comes around every once in a while, but the the local police force is connected to the mainland, which is actually accurate of the of the setting itself. Very where, cool. Where it's at. Very so I cool. That was pretty interesting that they actually brought some reality into nice,
0: it. Nice, dude. Which was cool. Bringing in the fucking fun facts, dude. Fun facts, and baby. That, that that brings us right into where we are in the film itself, which is where uh, you have Mike. Correct, Mike. It's Mike that walks up to the house first. No, it's Ralph. No, no, no. no. Is it Ralph? Ralph? Because he's like, hey, the the door's wide open. It's Ralph. Yeah. It's Ralph. Thank you. Uh Ralph goes up to the house, and it's fucking wide open, you know? And it's like right when they get there, the door's fucking open. You know what I mean? So, like, right there, red flag. You know what I mean? Red flag. People, like, they realize that. They know that it's a red flag, and I like that. It's not just shoot away like we realized in the last movie that we talked about, ghoulies, where they see black magic and they don't see it as a red flag.
2: now now to tie into that like when they physically go into the condo and they see there's empty beer bottles everywhere and he's like oh like my dad comes down here with all of his hunting and fishing friends and you know they probably just like went on a bender like right before you know we got here and that like set up a red flag to me it's like okay well the dad was already at the condo with his buddies you know apparently you know drinking so why didn't he just shut down the condo when he was there and turn off the water and know get it all like seasoned up you know buttoned up for the fall and the winter months you know so I thought that was kind of like really strange and uh that's where I kind of was like saying like as as far as the pacing of the film I would have really liked to um get a little bit more father son um screen time you know of like a flashback or like some kind of uh you know nod to like even though the father's obviously pissed that he killed you know his wife you know and, and the son's mother but uh there there's there's you know especially like when he's in the condo and he's talking about all like the the hunting and fishing things on the wall and he has all these stories of like oh yeah like check out this crazy fucking hook you know we, we pick up fish and throw them in the boat and he found this pregnant shark and ripped it open and all these babies came out yeah. and he's like really like off putting all of his friends and but you have all these moments of like the father trying to like implement hunting and things like that and i kind of wish that there was a little bit more of that, you know, so it didn't seem so like out of nowhere. Like a flashback? <laughs> yeah, just like you know, as he's telling the story, maybe as he's talking to his friends, you know, it's going like back in time and like showing like moments of like him with his dad, like fishing on the boat, and like visually being able to see it, just to like kind of like show and implant that father son bond. Yeah, know, with okay. The, with the hunting,
0: no, I, I feel that, and in in that scene, you know, you have everybody going around. You know, uh, looking at all the trophy room, uh, you know, as it is, you know, you have all the 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 um, the taxidermy on the wall, and you have
1: you know L- Ed Jr. talking about Big Ed. Uh, so to to Bill's credit, when you're you're walking through the scene and like the the trophies that he's pointing out of Big Ed, right, the one that like made me kind of almost laugh a little bit, where I would have been like, all right, well it's time to get the fuck out of here, is the photo of the dude. Who is basically? It's like yeah. a, It's like a, It's like someone took a still frame from a snuff film, and it was like, oh yeah, my my dad said it was just a you know like a, a speedboat accident. He accidentally ran him over, and he was like, you know, we kept this photo, and like there's that there's that cool cut scene where it gets to the whole group kind of huddled around it and like looks up at him, and that's like the pinnacle of like, your dad's uh, fucking crazy, uh, uh, yeah, your dad's bro, out of his goddamn mind. And I'm like that, but to me, if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, he murdered him, like that's a murder. I'm going to bounce out. Yeah.
0: No, that's the thing. Like nobody in their fucking right mind would mount that. No. And like put a picture. I mean, they don't specify if the friend died or not. They don't. But regardless, I wouldn't be like, yo, Tyler, my fucking bad. I ran you over with this jet ski motorboat thing. Yeah. And the picture that I took of you following the accident, I'm going to mount on my wall real quick.
1: Don't move. Stay still real quick Yeah
0: hold up I know you're in <laughs> agonizing fucking pain right now And you have gashes all over your torso Let me get a snapshot But let me get that fucking pic for the
1: Grum It's a real Kodak moment
0: So like when they're going through all the trophies and everything And I
2: think I don't remember if it was Mike or Ralph That like starts like putting the mask on his face And he's like fucking with
0: everybody Oh yeah the uh The fucking um Sacrificial mask The, the like, sacrificial mask
2: virgins and stuff Only and virgins Only virgins And like they tied into that with like Pam and like Pam was definitely like the heroine of the movie. Well, and like we're the, all safe here, right? Right, right, right. You know, but it 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 almost made me feel like um like a reference back to Scream, like you know. And I thought about like the Scream, like you know, when the 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 guy in the at the party is like, oh, like the Virgin never dies, and you know, when you say I'll be back, like you never fucking come back, you know. And like it 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 pulls into like those tropes of like the horror films where it's like, oh, you know, like I kind of knew early on, once Pam's, like, this, like, innocent virgin, like, happy-go-lucky girl that's just, like, with her friends, I'm like, oh, she's making it. Like, I thought in my mind, like, she's definitely making it to the end, and, like...
0: Yeah, well, um, I mean, you you, you definitely get that vibe, because when you're talking about Scream, and you're talking about, like, the, the tropes that they talk about in that film, where it's like, you know, everybody has sex, and, you know, everybody, you know, anybody that has sex in a horror movie dies, you know what I mean? And you know, you, you look back on this film and it, you you see the whole thing of, like, you know, the virgin in... Uh, you know, he, they say, like, the virgin always escapes or something like that in Scream. It, it's been a minute since I've watched that, but that's actually a really good, solid reference, man, because, like, Scream definitely played on a lot of older films as its, um, you know, perpetual motion that it went in, you yeah. know, but uh, you have... In the uh Yeah, I just I think it's funny because, you know, Ed Jr. knows that his dad is definitely disturbed because he's like, you know, he hunted everything but man and he's got this mask that he thinks that he stole. You and you know and
1: speaking of that mask, and I think it's it's very important here. And one thing I think Bill, you brought up with Scream too, is I think the Virgin almost, it's almost as if they're not clouded with judgment or clouded with a certain thought process so they have much more they have much more clarity or of, of things around them there's no perversion weird. well that's the thing right yeah. but but i think you're you're hitting a good point is the ceramic mask is the mayan god chalk who represents human sacrifice who i apparently as as ed jr talks through it they used to they kill virgins in a couple of different ways with with arrows or a beheading which obviously foreshadows into a you know, um what we're about to one fucking or two kills, I believe. Yeah. Oh, oh
0: yeah, few. Yeah.
1: Yep. Whew. Fuck yeah, dude. So we
0: got the whole trophy room scene and just to touch on that for one last second. I I thought that it was funny that Sue, I believe, puts the fucking glasses on the deer, the sunglasses. I thought that it was does. I thought that was funny. I liked it. And then uh, you know, everything in that room is intact but the battle axe. Right, and then he's playing it off. Everything is missing, or nothing is missing but the battle axe. And, like, Ed
2: Jr. playing it off like, oh, maybe he just, like, took it home. It's like, you're gonna take a fucking battle axe yeah, like, home? like, like why? really?
0: Like, like why out of all the cool shit that you have, like, in this fucking condo, why is it the battle axe that you decide to take home with you? And I love that, like, as this is all happening, like, Ed
2: Sr. is behind the scenes, like, underneath the house, like, in the garage. And he's, like, hiding in, like, that, like, creepy, like, trophy room that you find out later. Like, you know, like, when uh, Mike and, uh... Hang on. Linda? It's Mike and Linda. Yeah. Yeah, They they, they go into the garage, you know, and, like, they're looking at all these different instruments and things. She actually, like, pokes the... The, uh, the hooks, like, on the wall, like, yeah. these, these mounts, and she's like, like oh, what these the are fuck sh- is this for? These sharp. are really sharp. <laughs> Looks like it was fresh cut, almost, you know, and um I just thought that was crazy, and, like, the tension was so beautiful in that scene, where, like, they're down there, and they're, like, fucking with all the stuff, and, you know, all of a sudden, uh you know, Mike picks up some pliers, he's trying to be all, like, sexy with his girlfriend. Yeah, and, like, he
0: pulls down her, z- her jacket
2: zipper. Right, right, yep, yep, unbuttoning the shirt and stuff, and that they're, they're hooking up, and, you know, in the meantime, like, Ed Sr. is, like, literally a few feet away hiding in this closet and it's like at any moment you feel like you know they're gonna you know get killed you know and there's right. like that tension right up into the moment where like sue is just like yo guys like stop fucking around like let's drink and let's go and it was it was just cool that uh they tied that like that tension in everything and he had the battle axe in his hand and you know him like kind of like dreaming while they're partying and like he's got like these uh visions in his head of how he's going to murder his kid. And uh, it, it was crazy. It was just like insane to me.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, and that's perfect that you brought that, that whole scene up because, you know, they go into the, uh, you know, actually right before the scene that Linda and Mike go into the garage, you know, you get this cut scene of like big ed and he's like laying somewhere. It's very ominous and he's dreaming. And like, it's like this nice dream sequence. It's very ominous. And he's dreaming of killing Ed Jr. He's ki- dreaming of killing his son. Right. You know, and he's got the, uh, the battle axe and, dude, this fucking sick fucking throat slit. Like, he just, like, fucking drags the battle axe across his throat. And, like, it's just, like, this, like, super sick scene of just, like, oh, dude, it's just, it's super well done. And I what? love that it was one, like, just one continuation
1: shot well, of just, like, like, oh. And, and, and to that too it's like it's it's a dream of three separate kills he chokes him he picks him up strangles him at first shoots him and then slits his throat with a battle axe which i thought was interesting it was like a a continuation of things which i mean if you look at it he does all of those actions in the kills that you know follow in some way shape or form right, right. um you know he does all of that so which i think it's pretty interesting
0: yeah, and then you know, getting into the scene that Bill was talking about, you have Linda and Mike that enter the garage. They find the hooks in the wall. They're like, "Holy fuck, these are sharp!" You know, and then you see like like this like uh, this like shot of Big Ed just lurking from the closet across from them. You know, and then you know Mike uses the fucking pliers, like he said. You know, he pulls down a, a, you know uh, Linda's jacket zipper. Uh, you know, and then uh, they almost open the fucking door that Big Ed is in. And then they're interrupted by, like, Pam asking for Linda's help. You know, uh, like, Linda, you know, come help, you know? So, like, they're distracted and they leave, you know? And in the meantime, you know, you have Big Ed still in that fucking, uh, in that that garage, you know? And then you have Pam coming outside. She's coming down the stairs outside into the hoopty convertible. And, you know, Big Ed's just creeping and stalking her. And I thought these... I thought these shots were very, very good because they're a mix of POV and
1: over the shoulder. So one of the things that I read about Buddy Cooper with this movie, The Mutilator, is he was directly influenced by Halloween. And if you look at a lot of those scenes where he's stalking and you hear that breathing it's michael myers you do
0: you literally do hear that that's really cool dude another tyler fun fact tyler fun fact dude
1: coming in strong i I love it dude i I love it i put in a whole 30 minutes today (laughs) i love it dedication. but no i thought i thought that was very interesting and i think it i think it added to the vibe of what we were talking about earlier with with people who were brought in and also pushed away from horror movies is the realism
0: And that's very real of of just, like, somebody just watching you doing something. Yep. You know, and, like, Pam's out here. It doesn't, they don't really specify and it doesn't really matter why, but like, you know, she's searching for something in the car. I'm not sure really what it was. Doesn't matter either way. No. She's, like, looking for something in the car and then you get, like, Big Ed walking down to the beach. And then at that point, everybody else is kind of walking down to the beach and... uh, You know, you have Linda and Mike that kind of stray from the beach and they go into like, I guess it's like a public pool, I would imagine. And it has like this like greenhouse over top of it. And like one thing I super, super admired about this was the fucking lighting was absolutely fucking incredible for the shot that they get of the greenhouse over top of the pool. Like the lighting on that shot was so fucking beautiful and like, it just, that was one thing when I was just like, holy shit, this is so, like, this is gr- this is great, I love this.
2: Now, now something I liked about that whole pool scene, uh, too, was that, um, you know, typically, like, in horror movies, it's like, you know, boom, boobs, you know, like, it, it's just, like, right in your face. Where, Rituitous like, were, nudity. For sure, and, like, there was, like, subtlety and, like, innocence to it, where, like, it was, like, leg shots of them, like, you know, slowly, like taking off their clothes, get comfortable into the pool, you know, it, it had, like, that innocence vibe to it, you know, where they're still partying, like, you know, the the whole idea is to go down there and hook up and get drunk and have a good time, but, um, you yeah, know, there wasn't, like, that over-gratuitous, you know, nudity to oh, it. Right. It, was, it was very subtle, and, like, it just really, like, tied in, like, just, like, again, like, the innocence and... Um, you care for these characters a little bit more because of it.
0: You yeah, know? and and what's crazy is is that for this being an 80s slasher, which most of the 80s slashers very much had sex scenes, there's not a single one in this movie. No. You get, you get to them, like they almost happen, and there's like an interruption. But, I, you know, like by all means, like, you know, nudity in horror movies is definitely, it plays its role, you know what I mean? And you have this movie, which, you know, is a very, it's like, you know, mid 80s, like, you know, and every single movie that has come out pretty much before this, that is of its, you know, same style has, you know, sex scenes and and very gratuitous nudity. This was tasteful. I thought this was incredibly tasteful because like you said, Bill, you have a, a, you know, a, a shot of the legs, you know, they're stripping down the clothing You're not getting a whole lot of action there. And the only thing you see is, is you have this pool scene, which I thought like aside from the greenhouse, like this whole scene was just shot so fucking beautifully. And you have, you know, them in the pool, they're doing like a, like a little splash fight type deal. You know, they're, they're like splashing water back and forth at each other. And there's like this really beautiful piano score behind that whole scene. Yes. and i thought that that was like super cool and like i'm a sucker for like scores making a a mood i i'm not necessarily into scores being the focal point of what you're watching right. but this was like you know cuz in the beginning you have the theme song you know peter yellen correct correct you have that whole thing, which is just, like, we're having a great fucking time it's right now. like Weekend now. at Bernie's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. You have, like, this, a like, great, like, feeling. Like, you go from this opening sequence that's, like, fucking, like, graphic and, like, unsettling to, like, this, like, super happy. We're having a great time. And then, like, fast forward into this pool scene where you have, like, this, like, very sensual piano
1: score behind everything. It just really set the mood very proper so i I think to caleb and to both of your points, actually Caleb and bill, I think the scene the the sound the sound the 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 track itself I think sets the scene very well, but I think to bill's credit too and and something that this movie does well with the nudity is that there's a vulnerability to it right that's i think what it works in the horror scene with nudity is that there is a vulnerability to it you're 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 completely you know removed from all of that censorship, right? I mean, you're, you're at your most vulnerable, whereas sometimes horror movies can kind of take it to another level where it's like, Oh, it's, it's tits. Like, that's cool. Right. Like I like, they're nice, you know, like th- then it becomes a whole nother thing where I think this movie does it well. I think also the lighting, the scene itself, it sets itself very well. I also think the, the kill of Linda and, and the way it was shot in that slow-mo where the hands come up from under the water and actually pull her back in under the water it was done super tastefully I think it was a very cool scene and had a very cool um, transition to that which I thought was done very very well
0: um, dude I agree and I and I think that like that was just enough what you needed because that was your first it's your first kill scene it's what you think is the first kill scene because that's uh, that's sue correct? So that's Linda. And also- Conf- Sorry, very sorry. That's Linda. Yeah. And you don't actually see Linda die, if I'm not mistaken.
1: So you don't. You, you see her get pulled under. Mike is under the water playing the little cat and mouse game that they're doing. And Marco kinda, Polo. Marco Polo. Yeah. See? Sorry. Marco Polo. What's that commercial with Geico? By the way, that's all I think about when I think of Marco Polo now, by the way. It's ah. like a- Never seen it? The blow-up pool? Sorry, buddy. All right, well, it's fuck fuck me, right? Well, anyways... <laughs> hey! Uh, <laughs> um, but no, so yeah, he pops up, and then you see who ends up being Big Ed carrying her off, so it's like her legs. You kind of see, like, her legs and her upper body's out of shot, and he kind of, like, pulls her up and then, like, takes her off and then leaves, like, a trail of clothes behind, almost like as, a, as for Mike to kind of just follow. Yeah.
0: and you know what? I It's funny because I had this in my notes... And it's like if you guys are if anybody listening in, and you two uh, are fans of Family Guy, you have the um the fucking uh James Woods Wood skit where it's like, ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. And, and it, it ties into uh, you know, again,
2: like the metaphoric, he's a hunter. So what do hunters do? You they know, leave they bathe their play, yeah. their, their, their prey, you know. So Dude, they're leaving the clothing it's just
0: kind of breadcrumbs. Bill, this is this is why I love that you are a part of this podcast because while I take that whole sequence as like this, my mind goes to James Woods, you know, ooh, piece of candy and you go to, uh, he's a hunter, he's, you know, stalking his prey, he's, he's leaving scent, he's leaving a trail. They're trying to, he's trying to elude this guy. Like I got that. But like it's not a foreground in my mind And like that's just Ah dude you're so good at picking up on that shit And and like you know
2: The whole idea is he wanted Ed Junior By himself So it was like oh shit here's Ed Junior With all of his friends So now it's very much How do I get everybody alone To pick them all off one at a time You know And and then eventually get his main Target you know who is Ed Junior um, so, it, it was just pretty cool to me that, you know, there was the whole pool scene, and then, you know, from there, um, you know, tying Mike into following him, you know, to be kill number two, you know, which
0: was gnarly with the with the propeller Ooh. and, like, the okay. boat motor. So, Tyler and I texted about this earlier today, and I know that, like, me and you, Bill, spoke on the phone, and this, like, I really didn't want to spoil shit, but, like... Tyler goes, oh, dude, it was like the fucking, like, motor or something. And meanwhile, in my head, while I'm watching this, and I watched this again last night, I'm thinking chainsaw, but that's because I'm a slut for chainsaws. Tyler,
1: fun fact, Buddy Cooper, when he was thinking of the movie, and obviously was influenced by Halloween, he was literally walking that same beach and went, you know, it'd be interesting if all of these kills that a lot of these slasher films do... Because he's on the beach, he has this background. He's like, what if it was with nautical tools? Hence the boat motor. Wow.
0: Okay. That, I mean, that's, and that's perfect. Because, I mean, you really don't see the weapon. Like, you know that it's some type of, you know, motorized machine. Which is why I went chainsaw. But that, again, I'm a slut for chainsaws. I love the Texas series. I love pieces. Things with chainsaws just really do it for me absolutely I, I think so too chainsaws are brutal which i think yes. for, for a
1: gore porn fanatic works perfectly
0: and you're telling me that this is a fucking like boat motor. motor
1: or propeller or some type of thing that makes it even more insane right so a couple so a couple plays back so the first thing you get alluded to is of course the the photo the stock the photo of the man being murdered by the speed boat right quote unquote the speed true then, as Mike and Linda are walking through the, the the garage, Mike actually grabs the tool in which he gets killed by. He goes, "Oh, what, what is this?" I forget how he alludes to it, but he, he actually like grabs it and like like actually observes it and, and speaks about it. So he literally speaks about his own weapon of death. <laughs> that's crazy. See,
0: that's things that, this is, this is why I love having you guys here. This is why because I really did not grab that what he actually winded
2: up telling linda was oh do you think this is the propeller like the boat motor that caught up that guy in the photo and she goes oh i don't know it doesn't look like it could be the same motor to pull a boat you know to that speed you know it's a motor but it's not the motor you know so it was just crazy um you know like what tyler was saying that he literally touched the weapon that would be used you know to kill him you know, moments later, you know, that night. Um, and something that was just kind of like funny to me, um, was and it it might be again me being just like, you know, my own headspace, but that motor's loud as shit. You know, it's like a chainsaw, you know, cutting this guy up and uh nobody heard that, like in a garage. Like nobody heard that upstairs that like the guy (laughs) he's screaming and he's like Swiss cheese, you know, and he's he's fucking yelling, and it's like nobody heard the boat motor. You know, the dad like laughing, like yelling, like, oh yeah, fucked you up, you know, and him screaming. It's like nobody picked up on that. Nobody. And
0: And let's talk about that scene for a second because that scene is fucking awesome because Mike goes into the garage and he thinks that, I guess, he's trying to find, he's, yeah, he's trying to find Linda. He thinks that she's like being very promiscuous and he's trying to find her and he opens the fucking wrong door
1: a common theme in that garage too is they always look at that door first and then pivot back to the door in which he actually is at
0: yeah well i guess that kind of gives you like the whole like maybe my first choice isn't the right one so you second guess yourself you're kind of like always second guessing yourself you know and you have you know fucking mike opens this fucking door and just gets, un- dude, this scene is so sick. And like, while most people might be like, oh, that was fucking, you know, like his screaming and like the over like, ah, you know, it was just too much. I thought it was super cool. And like, it was very dramatic and very fun at the same time. But I, I it just like, I thought it was like such a cool scene, especially like right afterwards, you see like Big Ed walk over to the body and. And it's just, he's, like, on his knees, like, mangled. Still alive, definitely, but, like, mangled as fuck.
1: And maybe I was reaching here, too, in my thought process of watching it, but when Mike goes, I'm coming to get you, I thought it was actually, like, a shout-out to Night of the Living Dead. Like, we're coming to get you. Oh, dude,
0: how could I forget that? Yeah, Yeah, the classic Mike line when he's walking to the door because he thinks Linda, that's the last place that she can be, he goes, I'm coming... So get you
2: uh, so to tie in the garage and everything too. It was so cool about uh, after the first two deaths with uh you know Linda in the pool, you know, and then Mike with the boat motor. This is where you you tie in uh he's a hunter. So now like that room that they were in like touching those uh, hooks with their fingers. Um, this is where he starts like mounting them on the wall and it was so brutal cuz he takes like Linda's body and just slams her head like into the spike and mounts her and he's like adding to this collection and uh it was just insane.
0: Yeah, it's definitely fucking gnarly as shit. And then you get this like this this nice little cut back to the beach again and then you get introduced to the cop who is credited as the cop but is played by Ben Moore. And uh, the cop comes up on the beach and he's asking questions to the remaining survivors that we have. Uh and he goes over to his car and he radios in, he's investigating a possible 1038. Uh, which, I don't know, cop shit, but uh, 1038, maybe uh, that's a break-in. I don't know, because that's what they were talking about. Yep. And uh, you get this cop, you know, he's he's, he's walking around, he's checking the place out. You don't really get to see too much of this cop, because he
1: gets a fucking two-by-four into the cheek. Right into it, dude. Also, funny enough, Ben Moore, who plays the police chief, Tyler's Fun Facts, uh, he was in the movie Two Thousand Maniacs, which was actually starred by uh, Playboy Playmate Connie Mason back in Interesting. the sixties.
0: Yeah, Two Thousand Maniacs is a wild one,
1: dude. Yeah, so he's in like some uh, some early horror movies back in like well the sixties. Did he play a cop role in that? Nah, so he played. I, I mean, I I never I've never seen the movie, but I, I according to the IMDb that he was in, I think he was he was definitely a smaller character. I, I do know that much. Okay, but um. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was a two by four or if it was like a fence post. Well, that's that went the thing. Like, the
0: cheek. it felt like so. Like when it hits the cheek, it like jingles a little bit. You know what I mean? It like it yeah. like has this like not jingle, but like it like kind of like vibrates a little bit. Yep. And like a two by four would do that because if it was jammed, it was if it was jammed hard enough in there, it would definitely be like weighted down and would kind of shimmy a little bit. But it also could have been a machete. Right. But you don't see a machete anywhere else, and this is like beachy, so like a 2 by 4 kind of made sense. That's kind of what it looked like to me on, you know, at first glance, you know,
1: and, uh, and... And the part about it, too, was 45 minutes in is when that kill happens. And if you go back about 10, 15, 20 minutes, remember a Jr. mentioning, hey, we have beach patrol, but that's it. He's kind of like your only authoritative figure... That gets killed off within yep. minutes. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, minutes. he's he's
0: gone. So Beach Patrol, out the window. And then, let's say, off with the head, because not only does he get the fucking 2 by 4 right to the fucking cheek, he gets decapitated as fuck mm-hmm. by that battle axe that was missing earlier on. Yep. And, uh, yeah, the reason I ask about, if you knew anything about, uh, what's his name, Ben Moore... If he played like cop roles and other things, because I know that like John Saxton gets brought into like uh, he's he's played by like he he usually has like a cop role in horror movies or yeah. like you know, movies in general. Like John Saxton is a lot. He's he's usually in you know, he's like Nightmare on Elm Street. He's the cop. You know what I mean. But that that's the only reason I asked for that. But you have, you have the uh, the next thing that comes around, which is you have back inside. You know you have pam throws ralph to the ground for teasing her you know he's like he's kind of teasing her with that mask you know he's got like the mask on his face he's like kind of making fun of her and like for somehow for some reason she just is good at uh takedowns and so, takes him the fuck down so so before that when they start playing with like, the drinking games and stuff like that and
2: like they're messing around in there like back when the cop gets killed um to me, I don't know why, but I kept getting, like, this Jaws reference. Maybe it was, like, the score or, like, that boom, boom, bum boom, boom, like, score to it. Um, but also, just, like, the cop kind of gave me, like, Chief Brody vibes and, like, they're on the beach and... Um, you know, it, it was pretty cool. They tied that in and then like, it was almost like that Jaws kind of nod of like the dum 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 That's dum, cool. dum 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 to the score. The only thing about Chief Brody is that he fucking makes it out alive with this, his head. This is true. So it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a dark spin on Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, the drinking game itself was like pretty cool. Like, you know, like, oh, we're all gonna just like go out and drink a beer on the deck and you know go out and hide in the house and like we'll come find you and yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's just crazy that like while they're just trying to have a good time like all of this death is happening like uh under the scenes well, you it's know?
0: Like they kind of think that everything's normal and mike and linda who are the only two that they know of are not present with them you know and they're kind of okay with it because you know they figure mike and linda are like the horny couple out of the group you know they're probably off just doing some some sex shit you know, uh, and you have like this really cool, you know, hide and go seek thing that they start playing. And I thought the lighting was super cool because the the lights are all off, and it, it almost acted like as if they were blind because they couldn't see the person. They were patting around for like the person, and like they pat the person on the head. They're like, "Ah, oh, found you!" You know, and I don't know if that was supposed to indicate that their eyes were closed or that it was that dark in the house that they just couldn't see the person. But in that sequence. Big big Ed enters the fucking house through the sliding glass door and you're like ready for some shit to go fucking
1: down, dude. Well, and I think what's interesting and I think this movie does pretty well especially what you what you think it's going to be is and there's a couple of scenes with this, but the the game itself is called Blind Man's Bluff is what they call it in the movie. And as they're like walking through the house you see everything, but you get the idea that the characters themselves cannot because it's pitch black right however, one of the things that we we talked about in the you know scene the opening scene when they get to the condo where where Linda kind of draws toward the the door in which big Ed's in is the same thing when big Ed's in in the house where they're playing blind man's Bluff you see I believe it's Ralph go to reach for big Ed's ankle and then Pam pulls him back so weirdly you start getting the sense that okay pam is always seemingly one step ahead of the faults that happen in the movie right okay that's a very interesting like, perspective man Right, and i and it's it's because it's it, it happens a couple times and it and happens especially at the end of the movie but um you you just get a sense that she's her paranoia plays into her success almost in in the movie that's that's pretty cool and I guess I can kind of throw people into like you know oh
0: well maybe I was right that time when I said that something felt off
1: right well exactly exactly and I think she I think inadvertently I don't think she was so self-aware that she was like "Mm, I don't know because I mean you know what's funny too that even the sneakers so one of the things I picked up on and I just love 80s wardrobe anyway I feel like 80s films by the way as far as decades are concerned are so of the time I mean, and and seeing back to back '80s movies, they're just so like, they're just so in the decade. It almost like it just it vomits 80s
0: sness yeah, You know, it, what I mean? it does because like you can you can clearly watch, like even if you go from like very very small increments of time, you go from '79 and you watch a '79 film, right? Or like even any '70s film, and like you know one that I re- recently watched was Grizzly fucking great movie yeah you watch grizzly and you're like this definitely has 70s vibe based on the the way that it was filmed based on the wardrobes that were chosen and then like you said you can just like you don't have to have somebody tell you hey this was filmed in the 80s for you to be able to watch it and be like this is an 80s movie because you can just fucking look at like You know, high fucking, you know, socks, like, you know, knee high socks and like, you know, fucking crop tops and like high waisted pants (laughs) and shit. Did anyone peep
1: that Big Ed was sporting some Nikes? By the way, speaking of shoes, uh, my oh, man, shit. my man was fucking people up, and he was like, "Yo, I'm a ball on you." at Like after this is all said and done, yo, <laughs> Tyler's tight fucking cuts here with his big facts, dude. I'm dude, loving this. Well, it's, it's it gets to the end of the scene, but I see it because it gets a perfect side profile of the shoe. I'm like, that's a fucking Nike. I'm like, that's a that's a 1984 Nike Air Max right there. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, Big Ed was, ba- it, big, Ed was big, big Ed was balling, dude. Big Ed balling heavy. Yo, bro. Big Ed baller, dude. I love. (laughs) it I love it so you have the next scene that comes around which is Sue and Ralph in bed and things are going well for Ralph things are going real well for Ralph until they aren't until they aren't incredibly true incredibly true it, it's like
2: building up to like oh we're gonna hook up yeah we're and finally she, gonna and hook up yeah. And it's like oh why don't you just like close everything down yeah like, why sure don't you lock up? up yeah and, and it's just like oh man he's like that that typical i'll be back and it's like as soon as you say i'll be back you're fucked man yeah
0: and and it's funny because you get this like fucking hilarious like sped up scene where she's like I got something to show you if you go and lock up and she starts to unbutton her shirt and then it spans to this fucking like (laughs) sped up shot of Ralph like quickly dressing as fast as he can
1: and he's out the door like almost like fucking like Looney Tunes type shit. So immediately what I thought of when they did that which I I think this movie gets me sometimes where it's like you can see this and go alright it's a B rated fucking slasher film but they have so many quirks in it and this is one of them it reminds me of fucking Benny Hill. You ever seen Benny Hill? Where it's like, yeah, He starts speeding shit up. That's what it reminds me of. And I'm like, yeah, Ralph's the comic da, da, guy. Da, 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 you know what I mean? That, yeah. that, that's his thing. Like he yeah. just he starts buttoning up and getting real tidy before he heads off, so he can get Mike and Linda back in, so he can do some fucking.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he does that as quick as he can, so you get this funny, you know, speed cut. And uh, you know, Ralph ultimately goes down to the garage because, you know, that's definitely got to be a thing that has to be locked up, the garage, even though there's no car in there, but that's fine. Uh, he goes down to the garage, and he's checking things out. He sees the panties on the door, you know? And I don't know if he thinks that he's being played with by Sue somehow, but he's, like, you know, looking around, and he's he's, he's, he's searching. He, he's definitely, I, I think he realizes it's it's Mike and Linda,
2: and then he's like, oh, man, like they might be getting like frisky behind the door. And he's like, oh, like, you know, I have to lock up and I'm trying to hook up with Sue. So it's like, you know, he picks up the nail and the hammer and he's, he's about to lock Big Ed in the room. And he's like, oh, no, that's fucked up. I can't do that. And he's like, all right, well, party's over because I'm trying to get laid now. And opens the door, and it's just like bang, pitchfork right to the fucking throat. Dude, we like holy impaled shit, it. impaled by a pitchfork, dude, and like with such force that Big Ed picks him the fuck up off the ground, like straight up Jason Voorhees' strength, dude, and yeah. then just like pins him up against the fucking door.
0: Boom, like it breaks the fucking pitchfork, the wood, it breaks it off. It dude. breaks
2: it off, and like with such force that he didn't even have to like hook him onto those fucking hooks that he made. He just hooked the motherfucker with the pitchfork door, and it's
0: like holy shit, bro like you lift man yeah and then closes the door so then you have the next scene where Sue is trying to find Ralph because you know he's been gone for too long at this point you know and uh you know she's she's hunting around looking for him you know she talks to uh you know Ed Jr and Pam for a second you know she's like telling them that he's going to you know she's going to go look for for Ralph so she goes outside and one this is a scene that I really really enjoyed for many reasons and the first reason being the fact that she goes around the corner to go back up the staircase and Big Ed is right there and you see him before she does now I like that because yep. most movies are always like as soon as the jump happens it's that's the, the time you see the killer however you get to see the killer before the jump happens and you're like oh fuck And he grabs her by the throat You know Pulls her into the garage Back into where she kind of just was And just you get this Fucking Very very uneasy To watch kill Where He like fucking lays her down on this like workbench And he takes that uh, It's
1: a fishing gaff
0: Gaff he takes the fishing gaff Thank you Tyler Mm -hmm. He takes the fishing gaff And dude he goes right up through the crotch and just fucking like meat hooks her like her. right through the fucking crotch, dude. It It's just it's and it the way that it was shot, it just looks like it's all
1: it, it looks real. It really does. So to rewind a couple of seconds. So as she's searching for him, Pam again in her neurotic self is trying to wake up Ed, which, you know, being that we're like 85 percent of the way through this movie, it, My only thing with this movie, and I like this movie a lot in a lot of ways, for a main character in Ed Jr., I wish they did more with him. Like, there was no real psychological trauma, it seemed, from that whole incident. Like, it never really played through to that part of the movie. He's kind of like dim wittedly just like, How did you know my dad's my dad? He's, hey, he's a crazy guy. All right, we get it. You know, he he, he ran over a dude with a speedboat, he likes throwing daggers into shit. Yeah. He's weird, but he's, you know, he's got his quirks, but he's, he's all right. You know what I mean? But to that point though, one of the, the the cool part, one cool part of the scenes that comes through is when Pam gets up while Sue's walking through trying to find Ralph is she finds the dummy with the noose hanging by the doorway. And she's like, Ralph, dag nabbit. But then you see the uh, note on the back that says sweet dreams dash Ralph. But here's my thing. Did Ralph do that or did Big Ed do that? Because if you look back at the beginning of the movie, was he, playing, was he playing into what had occurred with Ed Jr. back when he killed his wife?
0: Yeah, good call, man. I mean, I would probably have to agree. Uh, well, you're, you're asking a question, so I would probably have to say the choice of which you were asking was, I would say that that was Big Ed. I, yeah. I think it was Big Ed because Ralph, like, you see him, that, that funny speed cut, you know? Yep. That, like, the fast motion shot of him, like, dressing and getting super ready. Sue leaves, so now that that room is empty, open for, you know, whoever to come in and do their thing. I think that was Big Ed. Now, tying in, like, Big Ed's kill of Sue with the, with
2: the gaff, the fishing gaff. I thought it was a little goofy, just because, like, you know, he's strangling her, you know, and he's, like, manhandling her around the room. Um, but he's got this fucking badass battle axe. Like, why would you take the time to go from strangling somebody, you have an axe in the hand to go for your kill now, take her to the bench just to, like, mutilate her with this, like, gaff hook? And then what I noticed was, she was the only body of all the friends and, like, the cop and everybody it was left for like public display everybody else was put in the trophy room like mounted but she was the only one left on the bench for ed jr and pam to find which i thought was strange because like it's almost like you're being crafty and like process of elimination you're a hunter you're taking down your prey one at a time so why would you want to leave a corpse for public display to essentially interfere with the last two kills that you have to perform, you know. So I thought that was cool. Um, and then when they finally get down there, like when when Pam's waking up, Ed, like, hey, something's fucked up, man. Nobody's back yet. Um, Mike and uh, Linda's beds, like, unmate. You know, it's it, it's it's made. You know, it hasn't been slept in yet. They haven't been back yet. You know, so she starts to, you know, again, to Tyler saying the neurotic, like, you know, the virgin. Like, I'm thinking clearly, something's fucking wrong. So by the time they finally get down there, it's like, boom there's sue's corpse and like if the car was in running condition they would have been gone like that's it you just lost your window to kill your son who's the main victim out
0: of all of this so that's actually a great great point that uh sue was the only one left as a display whereas the rest were all kind of hung up in the closet as a trophy and they weren't left out to be found. Now, one thing I would say about that is I think you have you have Big Ed who is a trophy hunter and he wants to you know display his kills for his own personal thing. However, his ultimate end of the day goal, which ties us back into the beginning of the movie, was he calls Ed Jr to Come and close his cabin up or his house, so that way he can kill Ed Jr. This was a, this was a all plot to kill Ed Jr. These other friends were just innocent bystanders. All right. So you have all of these people that have come here now, and they've been subjected to his mutilation. And where this ties in with Sue, I think what happens is. Sue was the last one out of the friend group that wasn't tied directly to Big Ed. So you have Big you have Ed Jr. coming down with Pam, because I think in Big Ed's head, he he knows that like Pam and Ed Jr. are the only ones left. And if they come down and find these bodies that they're gonna panic. They're going to freak out versus is if he took Sue and put her on the hooks with the rest of the bodies, they might've not found them. They'd be worried about their friends. They might call the police and reinforcements would come and big Ed would be donezo. Whereas you put this kill out on display for all to see big Ed and paint or, uh, ed jr. And Pam come down. They see this body and they, they inspect it, and that gives Big Ed just enough time to kind of pounce out of the closet and attack, which he does. And I think that kind of really gives Big Ed the upper advantage, because now they're vulnerable. They're seeing their friend fucked up, and they open the closet, they see all the rest of their friends, they see fucking Ralph hanging on the door, you know, impaled by a pitchfork, and then the rest of the fuckers... All hung up on these hooks. Now they're traumatized. There's like this element of shock that kind of comes back in. Ed's now in shock again. Ed Jr., I mean. You know, he's back in shock again like he was when his like you know, he shot his mother. And you have Pam that's just in fucking complete disarray. She's just like fucking she's so traumatized by this event. And that gives Big Ed the perfect opportunity to just pounce. And he does. However, it's not without uh It's, it's, it's not without, you know, retaliation. They do retaliate, which I thought was really tight because most of the time, you know, your, your slasher stalker is, you know, overpowered. He has no weakness or if he does, it's not known in this situation. You know, he, he's just, he's human. He's another dude, you know, he can be hurt by this. He can be killed by that and they take advantage of that so you have like you know Ed's, ed ed junior goes down you yep. know big ed attacks him he goes down and um pam kind of retaliates and has this whole opportunity to kind of save ed junior you know and that 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 creates this whole big thing where like they get ed junior down or no i'm sorry they get big ed down on the ground you know and yep. i who who here can help me out with this what does Pam attack Big Ed with?
1: So I, I think if I'm not mistaken, she she cause she she backs up to the table in which he kills Sue on, she pulls the drawer open, and it's almost like it almost looks like a ruler, but it like detracts into a knife itself. Yeah, Bill, go ahead.
2: So so prior to her grabbing um like the fishing knife, like the uh, you know, what they used, I guess, to like skin like fish with she picks up one of those like little rock stone things that like the dad was like popular with like throwing it into the wall and like framed it in that trophy room of like throwing those like spikes. So she like throws that thing hard as shit and whacks him right in the noggin with it, like in the temple and like, it's like stuck in his head and he pulls it out and like that disorients him enough to where she can like go in with the dagger. And it's like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go swinging, you know? And she goes after him and, you know, she gets some good licks on him and, um, you know, knocks him down and uh, immobilizes him. And like you think, oh, wow, she killed him. She did it, you know, and, and she's going there to try to like resuscitate Ed Junior. And that uh, ties back into like Scream and like some of these other movies like where like uh, or like Jason or Michael Myers, where like you think that you have the, the bad guy defeated and like so many pitfalls of these movies is double check your work. Make double sure tap, that they're baby. not coming. Double tap, Zombie Land. Yeah, you know, yeah. double tap that shit because like you just know he's coming back for one final scare. You know, and uh, it was pretty brilliant that like back when the cop that got butchered with the uh, you know the wood two by four, and, and two or by four slash machete w- whatever, um, when he called that in on the radio, he actually did call for reinforcements. But it just goes to show with them smaller municipalities, you know, if there's other cops patrolling the area, there's not many cops doing like a graveyard shift overnight. Like in law enforcement, you might have three to six officers patrolling a car, you know, or patrolling like a, an area. So by the time, you know, they finally get there, I'm going to say at least like a good, like 20, 30 minutes is probably passed, you know, in, in that time. And it, it all kind of just boils up at this grand finale where, you know, they're fighting with Ed Sr., they're trying to get the hell out of Dodge. They're in the car. It's not starting. Here he comes getting up, and it's like, holy shit, he's on top of the fucking car. you know he's he's smashing the roof with the axe. It's like, oh my God, we gotta get the fuck out of here." And you know, right at that moment, like the cops are coming. Calvary's here. and like you have this almost like uplifting like, oh man, the cops are definitely gonna you know, come save the day, you know, and uh I thought it was brilliant with the uh the cigarette lighter. You know and and he's you know he's, big eds grabbing little ed and he's strangling him and the axe is coming, and it's like I got to think fast. You know, boom, cigarette lighter burns the hand that was gnarly. It's super realistic looking. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like even just the pulverizing with the car. You know, when Pam just like full throttle slams in the ed, pins him up against that fucking uh block wall, like that's you know cement concrete wall. And uh dude got straight up darth Mauled, man. You know, cut in half, you're like, holy shit, dude, you're dead as fuck, you know? And, uh, it's just crazy, because even, like, when the cops arrive, and, like, that's what I love about these movies, man, is, like, even when you feel, like, that security, it's like, nope, like, we're gonna put you through a loop, you know, Big Ed cutting off that fucking cop's leg with the fucking axe, I was like, holy shit, and he's fucking laughing, and he's just, like, maniacal, and it's like, I know I got beat, I didn't, like, successfully finish my mission, but, like, I gotcha. You know, it was. I'm just, going out
0: with a bang. Yeah, like it's just that crazy, like just nut job. Just I'm just gonna fucking go out swinging. Yeah, and, and that's. I mean, that's that. And you nail it there. I mean, like the whole car scene was just so intense, and there was just so much tension built there. And then, like you think they're gonna win, and like you said, like you know, they they fucking just put it in reverse and just back them up,
1: you know, into that fucking brick wall. I think two things that I caught at the end of that movie. I think they did very well. Much like other horror movies do, well, they foreshadowed the car problem back at the college when they were picking Ralph up in Sioux, that Mike, or uh, sorry, Mike, the actor, Ed Jr. himself couldn't start the car, and they were like, ah, that's a problem, and I was like, and I even said it out loud watching, I went, foreshadow, it came back to haunt him toward the end when they found out he wasn't dead, but then... I think they do a very good job of the inner bickering between pam and and ed because that's a common theme throughout the movie where it's just like holy just get out like you're you're there get out and i'm literally saying this so i'm like they did a very good job drawing you in to like to their to their conflict and just going who gives a fuck uh old big ed over here who's been just murdered your entire friend group from now and, and until 20 years from now like he may still be chilling and be all right. Like get out while you can. But the other thing that they did a very good influence of getting back to Halloween is exactly what you said, Bill, where big Ed is on top of the car. If you remember in the beginning of Halloween, the first Halloween, um, when they're at the insane asylum and they, and Dr. Lou, I think it's Dr. Loomis, I believe. And, um, I forget the nurse at the time. They pull up to this ambulance. That's like, they they like they have all these like you know uh, asylum individuals walking around and they're like they shouldn't be out at night and Doctor Loomis says something ominous as he usually does in the Halloweens but then you see Michael Myers in his gown run up on top of the car and that's when he gets the nurse so I think there was an influence there by putting Big Ed on top of the car and actually coming through the car like he did which I thought was super cool and I was like oh well there we go there's another Halloween influence but and to your credit right the the whole like basically just decapitating him well, not decapitating but in some ways at the waist down just knocking him out yeah just severing his lower half yeah like almost like you were kind of waiting for like okay every killer's nerfed in some way like where is big ed's nerf and there you go you know he's stabbed he's killed he's not killed and then he's literally cut in half and he's still swinging before he's dead so I think that's awesome
0: yeah it's uh such a goddamn good ending to the movie and that's I mean that's it I mean they fucking they Pam and Ed Jr. get away and fucking Big Ed dies right there on the spot you know he's cutting two and he's donezo and that sums it up baby you know you get the end scene where Ed and Pam are recovering at a hospital and you get the whole you know everything is cool and uh One thing I did really, really like about this, which was really funny, because you go through this whole fucking, like, last, I want to say, like, maybe 50 minutes of the movie, which is just intense kills and intense scenes in general. You go through this last, like, 50 minutes of the movie, and it's serious as fuck. And you have Ed and Pam at the hospital at the end. They're recovering. They're getting through. And then you hit the end credits. And the end credits are played with outtakes from the movie. And I just thought that was so fucking cool. That, like, you've just gone through this super traumatizing experience of, like, a bunch of friends going to, you know, a house on the beach. And they've been mutilated. And now you get, like, this, like, funny, like... You know, uh resurgence of energy, you know, and you're just like, "I can feel good again because this was just a movie now, part of me um wanted kind of like a darker ending, you know
2: instead of like the oh like the the heroine and the and the main protagonist like get away scot free um I kind of wanted like a Friday the thirteenth like Jason Voorhees like uh, the the girl at like the end of like, the Friday the Thirteenth movie. I forget what film it was out of the series, but it was like when she's on the kayak, and then like out of the water comes Jason Voorhees and like number sucks one. her. Number one sucks her right back into the water, and it's like Harry oh, fuck, you know. So I kind of wish, especially in the scenes where um you feel that presence of like lurking, you know, with like uh, Mike and Linda like on the beach, but then like also the lurking at the house. I kind of wanted to tie in. Uh, Big Ed and his friends, you know, and his friends are all hunters, and they've all hunted together everything other than man, and it was almost like the the meeting at the condo was Big Ed talking to all his friends, like, hey, listen, you know, I want to get vengeance on my son, you know, let's all go hunting, you know, and then, like, tie, cool. tie in, like, Yeah, maybe with the cop or like with hospital staff, like somebody, and like maybe at the end of the movie, it's like you think they got out scot free, and it's like a doctor or a nurse coming in, and it's just like, Oh, I'm just checking to make sure you're all right. And it's just like, boop, injected. You know what I mean? Like, gotcha, bitch. You know, just like, I don't know, like just the. There's you like want a dark ending, yeah? You, know? you
0: wanted that last that last hoorah jump. I totally, just, I totally just to put feel you feel through that. The loop, and it's like holy yeah. fuck!
2: I did not see that coming. You know, I feel just that play into that because, like, um, I definitely felt throughout the film like they did a good job, of, like tying in the Michael Myers, like the lurking, the breathing, like watching them at the beach. But um, even for like the pool scene, um, I I didn't feel like that sense of dread just because of how beautiful the piano score was, and like they're splashing and laying in the pool and playing around and i was like is big ed at the pool is he still in the garage like who is he following especially being like ed jr being his primary focus so i felt like it could have been just a cool idea and again that's just me being like you know just fan service and just like you know picking things apart
0: just and i appreciate that and that kind of that's a great segue into wrapping this whole film up so tyler i'm gonna take it over to you homie Amen. What do you rate this film out of five stars, my dude?
1: Yeah, man. So I definitely—I'll say this first and foremost: way better than Ghoulies. I'll be honest, straight up. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, we we kind of touched on it. I think it does a lot of things well. It does a lot of things well. I think from the slasher standpoint, I think the kills are great. I think there's just enough character development to get you through. Um where I think it lacked was there wasn't enough development between Ed Jr and Big Ed. I think there could have been an, a a gap of about 10 minutes spliced through the movie to give you more sense of okay, where where did this gap come from? How did it get from childhood to now? Number 1 to why that those things didn't happen. Um and and why it's happening right now. Um two, I also thought that in 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 and Ed Jr. explaining his band of buddies. Like I, I imagined in my head there was gonna be some sort of like not cult like killings, but almost like a uh a, a Devil's Rejects or House of Thousand Corpses, like a family that that or a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? That family uh southern Texas redneck horror type of thing going on. Which I would have liked to have seen, I think, just because of that, you know, allusion, allusion to it. Uh, I think I'm using the right word there, but either way, I've, I've had about five beers right now, so it's getting, it's getting a little hazy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I liked, I really did like the movie. I think it sold a lot of good points through um, in its entirety with the with the missing piece of Ed Jr. and, and, and Big Ed from a storyline plot point. Three point seven five out of five stars. Holy
0: uh, shit! Three point seven five mm. out of five. That's a three and se- a three and three quarters, baby. Very specific. All right, I like it, Bill. Over to you, friend. Uh, so Tyler pretty much
2: hit the nail on the head. Um, I just I would have liked to have seen uh, Big Ed, Little Ed, um, you know, development there, just to, to feel that sense of, you know, despite killing his mom and killing Big Ed's wife, like he still tried to do everything he could to at least for appearances standpoint be like a father figure in his life um to propel that story a little further um but you know the kills were crazy the tension built was great kills were great beautifully shot score was great i'm going to have to match uh, the shutter
0: um four out of five skulls all right four out of five skulls from bill i like it all right cool 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 so for me I I went in this a little bit biased because I've seen it before and I fucking loved my first two watches of it. And uh, this movie is just such a good definition of an 80s slasher. And I can watch this movie over and over and over and over and not get tired of it. And it's cool hearing your guys' input on it and seeing as a first watch for both of you how you interpreted a lot of things and how you picked up on things that I did not. And I really, really think that that was awesome. You kind of brought like a new light to this for me. And uh, all that being said, I mean, I, the only thing that I think they could have done a little bit more of was basically what both of you guys said was giving a little bit more of a backstory on what happened in between those missing years. But even with that information and those potential scenes missing, this one, guys, we're going to hit the, the ding, ding, ding on this one, baby. This is a five of five for me. Okay. This this is my opinion on a perfect 80s slasher. If someone comes to me and says, I want to watch a movie from any era that defines a great slasher, I would say that it's this because you have all the right tastes in all the right elements things are done very very appropriately and i just love i just love this movie i would show this to anybody anybody that's listening to this right now if you haven't seen the movie we've clearly spoiled it for you however that doesn't mean that you can't go watch it right now cuz there's plenty of things that we didn't talk about that happen in this movie that you should just experience this for on your own so go watch this movie it's on fucking shutter again i will reiterate this please Take yourself into the realm of shutter and fucking buy that shit it's cheap it's I think it's the cheapest streaming service possible and it's literally dedicated to horror movies so let's get into the uh, the beauty of what comes next week and before that is
1: we, before we do that over to Tyler. I want to finish out Tyler's fun facts. Oh, Tyler's? Okay, so... Because I had a couple left, and I didn't get through them, and I want to make sure I nailed them.
0: Tyler's fun facts. All right, this is going to be a reoccurring. Yeah. Tyler's fucking fun facts. Here really, we go. It's
1: really getting my juices flowing. So, a couple of fun facts that I did not get to mention through this pod, or this episode, I should say. Um, one, the big one. So, the Motion Picture Association of America wanted to give this movie originally an X rating, which Buddy Cooper and the directors, you know, the other you know, partakers in this film, did not want to do because that was X rating was mostly associated with porn, which they knew from a financial standpoint was going to be tough for them to sell this movie. It was released originally October 5th, 84 in Newport News, Virginia. Fucking talk about, you think LA, New York, nah, Newport News, Virginia. All right. So there's that. But part of the reason that was released there and why they had a tough time releasing after the fact was due to that rating. They couldn't get an R rating, which fucked them up in the Midwest, in the Bible Belt of the U.S., and pretty much everywhere at the time, considering the conservativeness of the country, I think, in the 80s, right? Especially at that time. Reagan's coming through. You know, we can get into all that. But he basically had to re-release and re-edit the entire movie. Re-released it in September... September 27th of 85 in LA. So it was nearly a year after the fact he had to re-release it. So I I almost feel bad for the guy. In a way, I think it could have been well, a much more successful film up front.
0: Don't feel too bad. Only because the version that we got to experience on Shudder is the original rate is the original cut,
1: which is wild that was an X-rating back then.
0: Exactly. And if you are a VHS Uh, hunter like myself you will know that the unrated or the not rated version or the x-rated version however you want to look at it the not rated version is the more expensive of the tapes i actually just scooped up on mercari an unrated or non-rated not rated x-rated whatever you want to call it Uh, version of the mutilator which is dope which is really cool because that was like the selling point the guy was selling it for a little bit more than I wanted to pay but I reinstated the fact that like you know I wanted to ask multiple times like hey can I get a picture of the rating on the back of this and it was NR which is sick so it's the original cut and I'm very excited to have that because I do not own this I do not own this movie because it is a bit out of my price range for what people ask for it
1: oh sure and the only other fun fact I had Out of all of them, was so Francis Rains, who plays Linda. She is the niece of Claude Rains, who plays the police chief in Casablanca. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So that's the only. That's all I got, guys.
0: Tyler's fun facts coming in hot. All right, everybody, we're gonna get into the wheel. Let us spin that fucking wheel to see what we will be watching next week. Oh, dude! And the results are in. Are you guys ready? So fucking ready, Tyler. You're gonna lose your shit on this one, dog.
1: Am I about to punch Bill right now? It was (laughs) (laughs) fucking just right. Hook him. Right hook, City baby. It was.
0: It was one of the ones that you wanted. <laughs> nah. It was one of the it was one of the three that you really wanted.
1: Dude, what the fucking don't don't foreplay me here. You know, just really get me get give me the business. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a little bit more anticipated. Oh, dude, and dude. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna really really chalk this one up to be this like we're crazy. Right now. We're, yeah, we're edging right now. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Yeah, hit me. And the result. Ah! (laughs) all right you guys ready
1: ready ready
0: the wheel has spoken and tyler you're gonna be so stoked on this one dude all right dude it was one of the three that you chose (laughs) and you're gonna be stoked all right here we go so next week we will be watching the 1988 fantasy horror the serpent and the rainbow
1: yeah 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 Fuck yeah, dude. That's Here what we i
0: about. Yo, listeners, enjoy this fucking trailer. From Wes Craven,
2: director of A Nightmare on Elm Street,
1: comes a story of the forbidden world between life and death. Ah! There's a door to the mystical and you just walk through it somebody brought him back from the grave and i want to know how they did it death is not the end i'll take your soul you think you can take these people's secrets and just walk away
2: shadows of the imagination Ah! lies the
1: ultimate nightmare don't let them bury me I'm not dead
0: the serpent and the rainbow and there you have it the trailer for the serpent and the rainbow which is what we'll be watching next week and it is a movie that I have not seen and Bill you have not seen this either correct no sir all right fresh eyes for the both of us this is tyler's recommendation for only, us to watch he loves this one
1: only daddy over here seen it did i fucking love this movie it's one of those movies that it was probably it was definitely a major motion horror movie picture that got sent out but it kind of it slipped through the cracks you guys have never seen it check it out in time for the podcast coming up so we can review it together hell
0: yes so all that being said thank you for checking this out I hope you stayed to the end we watched The Mutilator this week and we loved it everybody here enjoyed it a lot and you can follow us on Instagram at Tapehead Massacre we post a bunch of our endeavors on there as we will be going this weekend we'll be going to the Mahoning Drive-In for VHS Fest so if you're around the tri-state area or you just like to travel for fun shit check it out that's going to be a lot of fun And on that note, we're going to wrap this bad boy up. So make sure on your preferred podcast listening platform that you rate, review, subscribe, and follow if you like to hear more. And we will catch you guys next week. Deuces.